Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and San Pete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village, New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, episode number 3.42, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and Manhattan, the middle of the city. It is Tuesday night. It is 9.30 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete after a long layoff. After three weeks, we are back, and we have so much to talk about. It's it's uh, it's ridiculous. All I could say is, oofa, we have a lot to go over. Because, you know, the, the hurricane happened, and of course, our hearts go out to everybody that was affected by it here in the Northeast. A ton of people were. Brian uh, 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 Cal, our co-host, who I'm going to bring in in a second, has electricity. Didn't for almost two weeks. And that's on the low end of what people have gone through here in the Northeast. Uh, I know Bry is the kind of person who considers himself lucky that that's all he had. Uh, because uh, so, uh, But the sporting world went on. sporting world continued. And, and the Jets are, are uh, the, Met, the Mets, the, the Island, I, wow, head exploding. Tons to talk about. Bry and I are just going to have a conversation nice. We're just going to talk sports nice for the next hour and a half, two hours, whatever. However long it takes for us to get through this, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. So let's bring him in. It's been three weeks. Let's not wait another moment. Let's bring him in right now, the co-host of the program, the New York Sports Talk podcast that is ready to unload. He's the first guy in the name. I'm the second guy, and yet somehow I'm always talking. Here he is, direct from a stint at Yuck Yucks in Omaha, Nebraska, where he killed, by the way. He killed. The race stuff really goes over well there. And he did a lot of election stuff. So uh, here he is. Mr. Brian Calniva Calpino. Cal Yente. Holy cow. Steve. Hi, Bri. Ah, man. Where, I know. Where, where, where were we? I know. I know. Where were we? Where were we? We just. For all this happened. <laughs> what happened? Where were we? Hmm. Uh, I I am glad that you have power back following the the ordeal, and of course the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, who's uh, will be joining us later tonight, uh, and maybe for a couple minutes here or there, he's working 
um, at uh, his job in Manhattan in the big city. Uh, but he, of course, too, was without power. He got power back for like 36 hours, and then they yanked it. You got power back for five hours, and then they yanked it. Uh, welcome back, buddy. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's finally uh, – it's good to have lights. It's good to be warm. That right. Was, uh, it, was, it was kind of a rough couple of weeks around these parts. Um, and, and you said it right. I was, I was one of the lucky ones. You know, it was, this was, you know, when, when, when they talk about like the perfect storm, this thing was crazy. Yeah. I didn't think it was nuts. I didn't see Clooney and Wahlberg out there either. Uh, no, no, no. This was, uh, this was, would you be Clooney in this equation? I think I'd be Wahlberg. (laughs) All right. You'd be Wahlberg. I'll take, I'll take Clooney. I think, I think that's appropriate. It's fine. I will never. I will never not take Clooney. You'll never turn that down. Yeah, never turn down Clooney in many ways, um, <laughs> as we've talked about. Um, no, seriously, buddy, it was it was rough. You know, uh, we we got extraordinarily lucky here in base that we didn't even lose power, um, just because, uh, as I said, my my little four block square radius got the crap knocked out of it during well, that tornado two years ago. Which you still managed to do a show that night. Still, I did. I called in the, the middle show. of a tornado. So. In the middle of a tornado, yeah. There were trees I, I, down everywhere. But, I, feel like, um, I feel like I've lost this one because I couldn't you – know, <laughs> I, I was out of commission for three weeks. The problem was uh, – or not the problem. The, the fortunate thing for us is everything that would potentially fall down had already been ripped out of the ground two years ago. L- literally, whether it be a, ter- uh, a telephone pole or a tree. they it's gone. Right, because a tornado literally I – mean, that's two – no more literally. A tornado touched down in the four-block radius of Bayside two years ago. So anyway, uh, good to have you back. Let's do a quick intro with PJ, and then we're going right to the sports, Cal. Okay? We got it. Because I, there is so much I want to talk to you about. It's insane. But before we get to that, um, this guy, Cal, I understand, is a couple pounds heavier. <laughs> I can't believe it. Apparently, the storm's greatest effect was making him eat. The Bishop Pop Culture PJ. Hi, Bishop. Oh, boys. How you doing? Hi. Hi. Uh, you've got power back. You were without it for almost two weeks or whatever. And, uh, 11, uh, 11 days. 11 days, we, 4 hours, 12 minutes. We weren't counting or anything. but it, We lived in the dark. We lived like farmers, like a lot of people. Where you woke up and the sun came up, and at 7 p.m. you started saying, "Man, I'm dog tired. I don't even know why. I didn't do anything today. I'm tired." You find yourself out on a back 40 that you didn't know you had. <laughs> Where did we? When did we get this tractor? I didn't right. even. Wow, I, I had no idea that we had livestock. How did I happen? was working the fields? I was. I was out in the yard. I had loping shears. And I was loping. PJ's right though. The, the crazy thing about this this power outage was the early nights. I mean, by eight o'clock, you were you were done for the night. You were in yeah. bed. There's nothing. Yeah, to do. a little bit of it I no. think was depression. Right. <laughs> but I don't think our bodies are used to natural light. It's a different kind of stimulation. Without the electric light, we're done. That's wild. Plus, my house was full of carbon monoxide because I was running the fireplace twenty four seven. All right, so there was that. Yeah. So everybody was were dizzy. Really, right. Everybody was very sleepy no matter the time. Right. 
they're bumping into each other. We're not sure why. They still haven't really regained their balance, but it'll be fine. I'm sure they'll be okay. They're tough, these kids. Yeah. They're, they're, your son's a black belt. Okay? I don't want to hear about it. It's true. He knocked I mean, out his own trees. Right. Do you do you now say that for everything? Like, if he cries or something? Like, come on. You're a black belt. Yes. Like, how often do you pull the black belt card now with your seven? All the time. For homework? For <laughs> for for whining if there's studying to be done? Right. That's not very black belty of you. Yeah. Hanging up your coat? Hey, black belt. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's tremendous. You're like one uh-huh. of like nine parents on the Eastern Seaboard that can actually use that one. Yeah. Well, you know, he's registered with the Freehold Police now, so, you know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, black belts, all right? Those those pajamas aren't going to put themselves on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Make like a black belt and, and do your homework. That's the awesome. kids were awesome for us. And let me tell you, we ate. Man. Yeah, Schaffadel, huh? I, you know, maybe it was because we were just afraid that all the food was going to go bad, so we figured let's cook it in a rush. So I had a, a let's clean out the fridge party, and right. we had, you know, r- local people were over, and, my, and a couple of relatives came over, like, let's eat everything in my fridge. And then they had the same kind of party the next day. <laughs> you wind up and having we just one of those went, every day. Right. We went from house to house eating seven-course meals. And then there was no Halloween, so I've got bags of candy. Right. It's a bad scene. I think I put on 10 pounds. It's, it's easy. It's, it Really, the shirts are tight right now. How about how about you, Cal? Did you have that same sort of uh, let's eat everything in sight, Schaffadel? Yeah, the problem was we lost about six garbage bags worth of food from the oh. freezer and the refrigerator. Um, what we could save after like day five out of the freezer before things started thawing out, we kind of distributed to my parents and my in-laws and and they kind of cooked our food for us. Mm -hmm. But um, I must have eaten at least five loaves of bread. (laughs) I just kept, I kept buying bread and then eating bread because that wasn't going bad. Why are you wearing a beret? I don't know. So, how do you explain that? I grew a he very thin smoking. mustache, too. <laughs> right. He started smoking and grew a very thin mustache. How does that get explained? And I was very ornery. Very ornery, <laughs> and you were cursing like a sailor. It was really disrespectful to everybody. A lot of Juggling bread. Juggling three mistresses. <laughs> In two weeks. I don't know how he put that together. In my dark house. <laughs> I don't know how he put that together. Uh, well, Peach, we're glad you're in uh, you're in one piece, and same with you guys, uh, Cal. And, and again, seriously, to everybody uh, in all. Incidentally, areas. I'm glad to be back at work. By the way, right? Um, because you know my place does uh, some television, and the two big gigs we had were the marathon canceled, right? And a big event in Atlantic City, the arena blew down. Sure, that, so, and that's a problem. Yeah. So so. Um, we're very happy to have a gig right now and and not be selling the furniture here. So, You know what? You can segue us perfectly into sports. That's one of the things that happened uh, while we were down, uh, while you guys were without power, and uh, while, I was, uh, while I had power, I had my in-laws here for an extra six days, which was awesome. Um, no, I'm t- it wasn't six days. It was a couple of days, and they were fantastic, and I'm, they're probably listening, and uh, great job, everybody. Um, 
Oh, God. No, we throw I'm, him a line, Cal, or we just let him keep talking? <laughs> I want to see where this goes. Okay, uh, good. It, it, seriously, they were fantastic. They really were. And they were here for they were here for nine eleven too. By the way, they're they're really a rabbit's foot right now for the city of New York. All right. They had come to visit Teresa for nine uh, eleven, and they were supposed to go to the World Trade Center that day, and uh, they were late. So uh, yeah, the, the city of New York is really ecstatic to see them. Good. Maybe, maybe you go visit them. Yeah, maybe 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 we just keep the trips to Austin. You bring um, the party to Austin. But uh, but anyway, uh, from a sporting standpoint, while we were away, they canceled the New York City Marathon. That was a very big uh, – and this can parlay us beautifully into sports because I wanted to just get your take, Peach, uh, and yep. then we'll move into the Mets and the Jets and the Islanders and the Knicks and the Rangers and the, the Hawks and the Knicks and the Bucks. And I'm suddenly Joe Piscopo in 1981 on Saturday Night Live. The Knicks and the Hawks and the Bucks. Um, did you think that it was the right move to cancel the marathon? Peach? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Do you think they waited um, too long to cancel the marathon? Um, well, I was a little bit on the inside of that from the TV angle. We kept getting notices um, that it, it, it was an event of such magnitude that it would never be canceled. And so everybody better be ready to show up. And then more and more news reports uh, started to unfold, and it was really apparent that you know the fringes of the five boroughs uh, were were gone, and um, it w- it was just it was too much. It was too much. It, it would it it was going to tap too many resources in the wrong direction. Um, yeah, that's one part. The other the other thing that uh, you know Mike Francesa here in New York, and we get on him all the time, Krusty Krusty Francesa. Um, but he he really used his radio program uh, for good. And he he basically railed against as the mayor. Opposed to and, evil. Right, as opposed to as he, as he usually uses it, where he's twiddling his mustache. Um, but he twirling. You know, twirling. Not twiddling. Okay. It. Yeah, he's not twiddling. I I have a twiddle twirl problem. You know this. I know. I'm. So, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Why do you point exacerbate that? Right. Why do you point out my deficiencies? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Um, no, but he he really used the program for good. And tried to get the marathon canceled. One of the great things he said is, you know, uh, not great things, but one of the observances that observations that he made was, you're going to have people running and throwing away half-empty bottles of of water when there's huge parts, large parts of New York that have no drinkable water. Yeah, and they're going to be watching this sort of thing. The other thing I said right away was like, why do you have to run the like if we don't run the marathon, does the hurricane win? Like yeah, it wasn't it wasn't really like, that sort of situation. Who, who it's it's not like a nine eleven deal. Like who are we proving anything to? Like Mother Nature already kicked our ass. Like she wins. We're not gonna. Yeah. Well, know? it was it was a consideration of are we a proud enough city to carry you know to carry forth with this? And then it was like, well, you know what? That argument doesn't matter right now. Right. We got to do what we got to do. Right. We could carry forth with this, but we're gonna, as you said, be taking valuable resources away to what was a disaster cleanup. And, yeah. and a disaster response situation, and you're going to have four or five hundred cops working the marathon when they could be helping to clean up an an emergency situation in Rockaway or in Breezy Point or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I, the marathon has really right. showed up too. I mean, you know, the, a lot of marathoners turned around and and just did, offered help. Right. You know, and they didn't just the, get on a plane and leave. 
Yeah. No, it was, it was good stuff. All right. That's going to take us into the big unload. Peach, we'll talk to you in a bit, all right? Goodbye, boys. Wow. It doesn't have to be emotional. It's been three weeks, three calendar weeks, since we uh, did this program, and uh, we have a list. I've, I've assembled a little bit of a list for us. I can honestly say I haven't heard this song in three calendar weeks. <laughs> it's been, not, not at the top of my list of things to do. It's been exactly three weeks since you've heard this song. <laughs> It will be another seven days before you hear it again. I probably. I missed it though. All right. Well, uh, let's do the uh, let's do the commercial for Blue Haven before we do the big unload. Okay. Um, but the big unload is coming. Boy, that was I should have done the first. And then the thing with the guy. <laughs> Very loud. Okay, uh, this is our sponsor. Episode is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in New York City, Blue Haven Sports Bar for Grown Ups. Uh, we're going to be doing a live remote from there in a couple of weeks, unbeknownst to Cal, but announced to me. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's on. Uh, <laughs> It's down in Greenwich Village, New York. They have great specials. They have power, which was great. Uh, but they have great specials uh, for Sunday for all the NFL games. They have the big screens. They have the 80-ounce tower of Coors Light. They have a lot of uh, great food specials. The food is fantastic. It's a sports bar for grown-ups. If you are in the market to watch the games on Saturday, the big college football games. Now, college basketball started, Cal. College yes. basketball's back. Yeah, St. John's won today, my yes, alma mater. yes. Stony Brook played Ryder at 6 o'clock in the morning. 6 today. in the morning, yeah. 6 in the morning. Um, so college basketball, college football, all the NFL games were getting down to the nitty-gritty to playoff time. Obviously, you don't need to watch the Jets anymore. They have all the games. Okay? No need to go there for the Jets. We're fine. Check them out. BlueHavenNYC.com. That's BlueHavenNYC.com. Uh, if you're looking for a sports bar for grown-ups where people aren't hitting you in the back of the head with a beer pong ball, okay, unless that's your thing, then maybe we'll set something up. It's, I'm, sh- it's, I'm sure they'd accommodate that I'm too. Sure th- I'm sure they have room for it. Uh, great food, uh, great beers, on tap, Blue Haven NYC. Okay, so in the three weeks that have passed, to me – the thing I wanted to talk to you most about is what I'm going to start with. Okay? What is most important to me, said as Michael Corleone. The New York Islanders are going to remain the New York Islanders. Bright. In a, in, a, in, a, in a situation where our sports teams, the teams that we root for, have been in turmoil, disastrous, the Mets, the Jets, the Knicks and the Dolans, the, we said not two or three months ago 
how upsetting it was that we had no control over this situation for the first time in our lives. A franchise that we root for was probably going to move away, be gone. We would have the Islanders no more. We love the Islanders. And it, it was all out of our control. It was gone. And what happens? Out of nowhere, my Twitter feed lights up and the timeline lights up and says, big announcement, Islanders moving to Barclays. I, I, I don't even know how to act. Give me your, give me, give me, we weren't able to talk. We were able to text that day. We weren't able to talk. Give me your gut. My, my, my initial reaction was one of relief. I was, I was relieved more than I was happy initially because I was so concerned that they were going to move out of market and they were going to move to Toronto or Ottawa or they were going to move to Kansas City or Seattle. I mean, there were a number of different places that were talked about. And the fact that they stayed in the metropolitan area relieved me because I always felt like as long as they stay in New York, I'm okay because if they go to Brooklyn, I'm probably not going to go to as many games, but they'll, every game will be on TV still. I don't have to buy the center ice package to follow the Islanders or the, you know, the Missourians or whatever they would have been called. The Helena hand, the Helena handbasket, the Helena handbaskets. <laughs> um, so, so I was relieved at first. I'm, I'm, I'm happy after thinking about it for three weeks. I'm happy because I think that it's the best move. Selfishly, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be able to go to as many games. But for the sake of the franchise and the viability of the team, it's the best possible thing that could have happened to them. I totally agree. And I I see it from an even uh, a further reaching farther or further? It depends on where you're going with it. Right. Hmm. Farther is distance? Yes. Right? Further is... Uh, anyway, I see it from a different perspective <laughs> or even another level. And that is, and, and this is sort of vengeful, and I hate to be this way, but Nassau County is now going to get what it deserves. So I get to keep my hockey team. And, and, and I have a lot of fond memories of the old barn, too. Sure. But my hockey team gets to stay here. I get to still go see them. may even be better for someone like you who lives in New York City. Honestly, it's not. No. I mean, just travel-wise, it's not, right? Like, it takes me 25 minutes to drive there. But you know, it's going to take me. I'm gonna. I'm never going to drive there. I'm going to have to take mass transit there. And unfortunately, where I am in Bayside on Long Island, I can't get there directly. I got to go into the city and then down. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I will happily do it. Because you know what I can't do is I can't get on a plane at 6:50 and go to a, a Kansas City to go to a game that night. Yeah, I, 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 and I said this at the time, I'll, I'll sacrifice, you know, I go to five games a year right now. I'll sacrifice those five games a year if it means I'm going to have a good team. Right, and you'll still get those five games. Yeah, I probably You'll won't. still get those. Yes, you will. I'm telling you right now, you will. The Long Island Railroad goes right there. You're going to be able to bring the girls on a Saturday. You're going to be able to go to five games a year. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. You're going to drive the car right to Huntington, jump on the train, and you'll be there in 45 minutes. I'm telling you, you will go to you'll go to three Saturday games a year. We'll go. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not right. I, I'm not going to not go to a game there. Obviously, not only that, Brian. It's, it's going to be so much better of a place to bring your kids to. 
Well, that's the thing, and, and that's another thing you sacrifice is the quantity of games that you might go to for the quality of the experience, you know? Exactly. I mean, instead of going to ten games, I might go to three, and it's going to be great because it's going to be a, a brand new arena. You're going to have a good team. There's going to be a whole different kind of energy in right. the area. I, now, I, I, I'm telling you, once you I, – I don't know if you've seen hockey in other arenas. I have. Okay, where have you been? Uh, besides the Garden and the Meadowlands, right? I've been to the Meadowlands. What is this? <laughs> Brendan Byrne? How long ago? <laughs> Would you was. go to Brendan Byrne? Uh, I you know saw... that, that that place was named after him for like nine minutes. Yeah, they cha- yeah some they sold those rights. What, did he have like a scandal or something like that? Or Brendan Byrne? Yeah, I don't know. It was the Brendan Byrne Arena for like literally twenty five minutes. Man, if only we had a New Jersey expert to tap into. If in only there. we had somebody who lived there, who knew the lay of the land, the terrain, as it were. Hmm. Um, but, so you've been in the Meadowlands, you've been to the Garden, you've been to the Coliseum. Hartford, the Civic Center the in Civic Hartford. Center for the whale. The mall. Have you been? It was in a mall. Have you been to a new arena? I have not. Okay. So, it's got to be, it's got to be like 10 years ago now. I went to see the Islanders play when I lived in LA. I went to see the Islanders play the Ducks at the pond. Right? It was astounding. It was it was what an I mean it was there was marble and 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 concessions and it was gorgeous. Were you in Vegas? It was it was gorgeous. I remember calling my brother cuz we didn't even text then. It's 10 years ago. I remember calling and speaking to my brother the next day, our, our resident Islander fan, my brother Scott, who's a huge hockey fan, and saying, "You, I can't believe that the Islanders don't have this, that the Islanders don't have a place like this. I mean, it was glorious. It was The sight lines were incredible. The seats were comfortable. It was like it was Vegas. It was Vegas. Scott last year saw the Predators down in Nashville. He was down in Nashville on business, and being the huge hockey fan that he is, he went to a Predators game. Tremendous. He he texted me from that. I happened to be at the Islander game that night, this past season, and he was at the, the Predators game in Nashville. That's funny. And he's texting me. He's like, You're, he's texting me pictures and stuff like that. Like sending me pictures. He's like, and and I'm sending a picture of what I'm looking at in the Coliseum. So from that aspect. There's a little bit of a just desserts for, for NASA. I'm sorry. They've done this to themselves. And uh, B.D. Galloff wrote a really expansive piece. I don't know if you caught it, Bri. Uh, but he wrote a really expansive piece on, uh, what is that, like the CBS WFAN yes. uh, website um, about how this all came to be in Nassau County, how we got to this point. And the level of corruption, the level of of uh, dishonesty, the level of political maneuvering, the level of uh, uh, apathy or, or you know lack of apathy from the town, the residents, the 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 level of NIMBY, you know what I mean? Not in my backyard. Like nobody, everybody wants a new arena and the revenue from it. Nobody wants to pay for it. Right. Just you know what? You blew it. You blew it. You blew it. You, I don't. I don't want to hear you complain. I don't. So. From that aspect, I I sort of enjoyed it. Um, last thing on the aisles here. 
I got to listen to a lot of Garth Snow interviews in this time. I picked, I, I sent you that one from Toronto, right? Uh-huh. He sounded like he had just gotten paroled. Like he sounded, he sounded so relieved that they can now, he said the biggest thing is I make calls to every free agent. You know, all the big free agents, I call them as, as soon as the offseason starts and I usually get hung up on. And I don't think he was kidding. Like, I I don't think he ever gets to his sales pitch while they were still in Nassau. Can't. And he said, that's going to be the biggest difference. He said, it's not just for locking up our young guys. We've locked up our young guys. He said, I can now go to that free agent and tell him where we're going to be in five years. I mean, we did an entire show on the fact that Christian Erhoff uh, chose Buffalo. Living, yeah. living in Buffalo. I think less money, too. Less money and living in Buffalo as opposed to playing in the Nassau Coliseum. Right. No offense to all our, our Buffalo listeners. There's a lot of them. And it's a great town. But come on now. <laughs> you know? And, and so from that aspect, they're going to have a, a better team. Period. They're going to be able to attract big-time free agents. Now, do you think he'll try to get out of the lease early? I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so. I think um, he's committed. I mean, publicly, he said he's committed to, to honoring the lease, but the, this this county has, has jerked him around. Uh, quite honestly, I'll be honest, they jerked him around Yeah, for almost well, a he, decade. He owes them nothing. He owes them nothing. I don't think he kept the team here when he didn't have to. And he's no saint. Look, let's not make Charles Wong out to be a perfect owner. He's run this team on austerity for a number of years. He kept, you know, he had the 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 co GM deal with with uh, Maloney and and uh, was it, not Maloney. Uh, Neil Smith. Uh, Neil Smith. Thank you. He he ran he ran the team on austerity, but basically his agenda was to get that develop that land developed into the into the lighthouse project, and the Islanders were part of that. Right. His 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 main his main interest wasn't the Islanders. His main interest was the land. And I think at this point Nassau County is going to put out a, a request for proposals to to develop on that land and if they get a bite if they get a bite, no, you're shaking your head, but listen to me, if they get a bite, I can see Wong and the arena negotiating some sort of agreement where he can he'll be able to leave sooner. Right. The problem is, and, and, and again, there are political machinations in, in, in play here that I don't want to get into. Uh, the, the county itself, Nassau County on Long Island, is uh, so far in debt. Uh, they already have one of the highest suburban uh, land tax rates in the country. Uh, they, I don't know what you could possibly put there. <laughs> and, you know, what are you going to put another, you know, Roosevelt Field Mall? Oh, great. It's not going to generate the same revenue that a new Coliseum would have. So they've done this to themselves. And, you know, there's going to be tumbleweeds rolling down Hepset Turnpike at some point for a while. Because it's going to take a long time to develop that land anyway, and they're going to have to knock down the Coliseum. Well, they still, I, they still don't realize what they've done. And it's going to take a number of years before they realize it. Yeah. But. No, I, I agree. But in the in the... The uh, at the end of the day, 
we get to keep our hockey team bright. And and I got to tell you, with what's going on with the Jets and the Mets right now, this was much needed good news. Like the only thing I need now is for them to end the stupid lockout. Because I I I don't know if I've ever more desperately needed hockey at this point. Yeah, especially because the Islanders uh, seem to be if we ever play this season, uh, we because I skate a lot. Uh, <laughs> if they ever if they ever play this season, seem to have a young, rootable team, like a real like a, it looks like a team I can sort of get behind. They have a, an emerging superstar in JT. Uh, they have uh, in, in Tavares. They have young players that they've locked up for a long time. You still want to see Ocposo take the next step, or Bailey, or see if these guys are going to take the next step. You know, they they have a young, very rootable team, and that's something that's sorely lacking right now in my sporting life. Because as we move on, anything else on the aisles? No, no, I can't, I'm... I can't wait to get to the Jets. I can't wait. Well, why wait? Bart Scott style. Why wait? wait. Let's, can't wait. Let's go. Come on, Jets. <sighs> what do you got? What do you got? I, I have two things right off the bat. I've been thinking about this. You know what happens now, Cal? Sometimes when I can't sleep, uh, which is probably once or twice a week, it'll take me a good three or four hours. There's the, there's the Jets music. It's really good. Here they are. Time to talk about your 2012 new York Jets. Uh, since we last um, did the show, too, we went to the game. We went to the Miami game. That was fun for almost eight minutes. <laughs> that was a magnificent tailgate, by the way, Cal. You you did miss a heck of a tailgate. Yeah, I feel bad about that, but I don't I don't feel like I did anything <laughs> no, after that. You weren't able to go to the game because you had some stuff to take care of at home. And you you were the luckiest man. We were all prepping for a hurricane. Everybody's yeah. worried about getting home. I left in – that was maybe the earliest I've ever left a Jets game. Did you leave in the third quarter? Oh, yeah. Like six minutes to go in the third quarter. I, I mean, it was it was just awful. So what I was going to say was I have trouble sleeping a couple nights a week. Not trouble. It just takes me a little while. And my mind will – as Hedley Lamar once famously said, my mind is a whirlwind of careening thoughts. Um, and I'll think of things for the show. like and, and not in a bit sort of way, just things I want to talk to you about. This is a bit. <laughs> I, th- I thought we didn't do this. <laughs> right. All that said, this is a bit. Or this is like I want to see how this would go. By the way, our uh, New Jersey expert, Brendan... Yeah. Brendan Byrne Arena from 1981 to 1996. He was the governor of New Jersey in the 70s. Okay. Good for him. So he, so they did name the arena after him for longer than what? what, did, you, what did you say? I said nine, 25 minutes. Nine days? <laughs> nine days. <laughs> which, is, which is an ESPN 30 for 30 that's coming out. Nine nine days in November. Nine days of Brendan Byrne. <laughs> right. The nine days of Byrne. Um, so it's not necessarily a bit, but last week, I can't listen to talk radio anymore. Uh, sports talk radio. Nope. Um, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm literally off all of it. I, I get a little boomerang carton in the morning, and that's about it. 
I get a little Francesa in the afternoon, but other than that, it's all podcasts and news radio. I've been glued to news radio for the last three weeks. Right. Well, wondering when you're going to get your power back. But but you know what's funny is that I thought by now, now that my power is back and everything is kind of back to normal, that I would have, you know, I would have dropped it. But I think it's kind of... You're hooked in. A little bit. You're you're looking for something on the 8th, and you don't know why. Exactly where I am. You see 828 come up on the clock. You're like, I got to put a radio on. <laughs> you're turning into my Uncle Tootie is what's happened. Yeah. Yeah, you, you are real close to... Uh, to, to a t-shirt and a Schlitz. I mean, I I sat for two weeks, just to get back on this, I sat with my newspaper and a crossword puzzle and a cup of coffee and News Radio 88. And that was how I spent my morning, 13 mornings, 13 consecutive mornings. And mumbling to yourself, oh boy, the Veranzano's a mess. <laughs> Tending to my garden. Right. When are they going to fix, when are they going to fix the inner borough? <laughs> Traffic on the BQE. There's a shocker. All of this is to yourself, by the way. Right, that was my internal as dialogue. Right. As you turn the, I could just as you turn the page, fix your glasses that are <sighs> down low on your nose. Okay. Right. So I can't fall asleep. Can't listen to sports talk radio. Tried to listen to. Uh, I I have been watching still every Rex presser, and uh, or listening to him on Michael K. Uh, because now it's just fat. Now it's just a matter of when he snaps. That's all. It's literally a matter of when he gives us that we are who they thought they were, playoffs, Jim Mora, you know, uh, Dennis Green, you know, you play to win the game moment. That's all we're waiting for now. And I tried to listen to Mike Tannenbaum, embattled GM of the New York Jets. And, uh, Brian, I couldn't get through five minutes of the interview. And so, while I'm going to sleep, this occurs to me. I wish that Mike Tannenbaum would call me and ask me questions about why I'm not a season ticket holder anymore or or what I think of the team. And I would answer them as Mike Tannenbaum. You would – so, hold on. Mike Tannenbaum has called you on the phone. That's right. And you're going to give him back Tannenbaum. Bingo. So he knows what it sounds like. He knows what he sounds like. All right, let's hear it. I think it'll go a little something like this. No, no, you, you, you play the part of. Oh, I thought I thought we were. Okay. No, no, we. I need you for this one. We didn't. We didn't rehearse this. We didn't. We didn't clearly. I didn't know where you were going. Yes. Uh, you. No, no, no. You say that, sir. Uh, so you're Tannenbaum. So I call you up and I say, uh, "Hello, Steve Sampietro, Mike Tannenbaum here." Great. Uh, it's great to be with you again. Uh, uh, Mike. So we're going through our records, and we noticed that you were once a season ticket holder for our franchise and, and are no longer, and I was I was wondering why. Maybe you could explain that to me. Sure, yeah. No, great question. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, some of the things that we looked at uh, at the time uh, didn't seem to be uh, what exactly we wanted to do, but we're leaving our options open. I think, uh, you know, my TV has done a great job, um, so we're really pleased that we went in that direction, but uh, once again, you know, uh, we just uh, have to look at the value and uh, and see if there's value there. Uh, okay. Um, does it have anything to do with the cost of the tickets? Sure. No. Great question. I mean, sure. Absolutely. 
Um, these are tough times. Our heart goes out to everybody that was affected uh, by the uh, the hurricane. Okay. Um, let's see. The next question is about the, the product on the field. Is, was, would you like to see improvements made to the team? Would that help you come back to, to the team and, and buy tickets for us? Sure. No, sure. Great question. Uh, I think uh, I think you have seen improvements in the team. Uh, I, I don't. I think you think you've seen improvements in the team. Uh, I, I think if you take a look at the product on the field, uh, you'll see it's, uh, it's uh, you know, uh, sure, it's the product that's out there. It's the one that we've done. Are we happy uh, with where the product is? No. No, we're not. Not at all. Uh, certainly, we didn't expect to be here. Uh, but sure, that's a great question. We're always looking to get better. Um, we're always looking for a better seat opportunity. We're always looking for a better team to maybe go see that costs less, that puts a better product on the field. Uh, those are the things that we'll look at. But, you know, uh, myself, uh, Teresa, uh, Mrs. San Pietro, uh, we're always uh, trying to uh, to uh, have a better fan experience. Well, uh, okay, great. I think I've gone through all the questions I have for you. If there's anything else that, that we can do to maybe to maybe bring you back, any kind of creative ways that we could we could – uh, fashion a package for you. Uh, we would love to hear it. Sure, you. sure. No, absolutely. Great. Uh, you know, sure. Uh, what you could probably do in the future is not bring in uh, the most controversial player in the world uh, to back up your already uh, uh, confidence-shaken uh, uh, starting quarterback. You can start there. Uh, then maybe get a football man to actually make the decisions as the general manager uh, that are so obvious that I'm able to make them in Madden when I take over my team, uh, but you can't seem to uh, figure out that you need to sign a right tackle. Oh, that's a little uh, unfair. So uh, some of the, it's uh, you know again, uh, guys. I think you you know you went to, we went to two championship games uh, a couple years ago. I think y'all saw that. Um, you want to bring me back? Um, knock it off. Thanks very much for your time, guys. Great, great, always great. Good show. <laughs> so that I think it would go a little something like that, Brian. Yeah, that sounds about right because that's basically what he's given you. And, and, you know, it's funny that you bring it up now that they're bad, but this is what he's given you always, Yeah, even when they were good. And I'm going to take issue with that, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, you think? I think he he has become, over these four years, he has moved so far to this guy who can't have a conversation about his football team. He's so insular that I think he has changed. I think four years ago, he was a better interview. I think he was more open. I think he was more trusting. And frankly, I think he's, he's again, the, the analogy is always perfect, Bri. Rex Ryan's the cool guy, right? He's been letting Mike Tannenbaum do his homework for him. Right. You know, and it turns out that Mike Tannenbaum has all the wrong answers. But if Mike Tannenbaum gets to do, you know, if if Rex, you know, lets him do his homework, Mike gets to hang out with the cool guys. You know, and that's that's who he is. And I think he's really become that now even more in these interviews where he can't. There was another uh, analogy. We're going to talk about some on the field stuff because I, I have a, another point about the offense. Not too <laughs> much, though, because there's really not a lot to talk about. No, this is a, this is a, a question for you. No, as far as on the field. Right. No, the on the field. It's a question for you. Oh, okay. Um, and it's something I noticed. Again, we're going to have uh, – if we do that show on the fourth cow from Blue Haven, I think Joe Caparoso is going to come on with us and be live with us 
um, from TurnOnTheJets.com. They have been killing it. They got a mention of Boomer and Carton the and other he's day. All, he's all over the place. He, they are they are really uh, – I hate this expression, but they are blowing up uh, because there's no other way to describe it. They're, they're doing such a good job. Like the, the Gross kid, I think it's uh, Chris Gross is his Twitter handle, or C. Gross or something like that, C. Gross 97, breaks down the defensive film play-by-play play on Twitter. It's fantastic. We might need to do that live show next week before he's too big for us. That's right. He, he may turn a step. Joe, if you're out there, all right, don't get too big for your britches, all right? Don't turn into Salazzo, okay? Don't get too big. Um, no, but he, he, uh, it's 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 related to that on the field and the offense. But here's another thing that I thought of well, with this current Jets situation, and it, it goes from Tannenbaum to Rex to Woody and two, I think a lot of the team, but mostly the front office guys, Brian. You're gonna, we're gonna get torched a little bit for this, okay? So just bear with me, all right? Again, we haven't rehearsed this, so I don't know where you're going. Did you ever watch? Do you, do you ever watch Real Time with Bill Maher? Sure. Okay. It, during this election season, uh, Bill Maher had this thing called dispatches. Dispatches from the bubble. Okay. And, the con- and the contention is that a, a good facet of the uh, Republican Party is in a bubble, uh, and they sort of ignore what's coming into them and have their own sort of reality. And 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 look, the same can be said of uh, fashion, uh, factions of the Democratic Party as well. Okay, he just happened to make this this thing dispatches from the bubble. Okay, all right. That's the jet hierarchy. They they exist in this bubble in their own reality. Everybody outside in the world knew that this was not going to work. Everyone. Everyone. Except them in their little bubble. In their little, like Kevin Bacon, everything is fine. We're all fine. Just remain calm. Like, like they know better than everybody. The facts don't matter. That you know, Woody Johnson, Rex, uh, Tannenbaum, Sperano, Sperano, they're smarter than everybody. They exist in this bubble, and the facts don't get in there. It's just their own. Re- I mean, you had Terry Bradshaw, for example, on FAN saying, hey, "Of course, this wasn't going to work," and Tim Tebow stinks. And they just it's, – it's dispatches from the bubble, Bri. They exist in, in their own reality, no matter who tells them they're wrong. When they made this trade for Tebow, and now in hindsight, when I look back at our reaction to it, maybe we were in denial. And maybe we just – we wanted it to work so badly that we weren't really seeing it like everybody else looked at it. Because I – now, I'll, okay, I'll speak for myself. From my point of view, I thought that they must have known something. They're going to bring Tebow in, and Sperano, who has invented the Wildcat, has this creative new wrinkle that nobody's ever seen before, and they're bringing the ultimate guy that fits into that that package into into their system, and they they had something that was going to be in it, and they told you they've got they, they were they were super secretive about it, and and I believed them. And I don't know why I believed them. Maybe it was because I didn't want to not believe them. And again, it's hindsight because it's three months later. But I believed them, and I really thought that they were going to do something almost revolutionary with Tebow. 
And it became clear very quickly that they had no idea what to do with him. And he was just thrust upon him upon them by the owner. But that was absolutely. But that was not our first reaction. And we have the show to prove it. Our first reaction was that was our second reaction. That was mm. the talking ourselves into it reaction. You're right. You're right. Our first reaction was this is I mean, we got in a fight on our little RTU chat with Dr. E. Ray Stat and our buddy Nello and, and the four of us go back and forth about we got in a fight where we hung up on each other. Like guys left the chat room about Tebow. Our gut reaction was there's no way this can work. So we didn't want it. And we talked ourselves into because we're Jet fans and we wanted to be successful. And we, also because they were getting killed from every angle, we right. thought, well, you know what? Maybe let's give it a chance. Let's see if before you kill it, right. let's see it. Again, Maybe, it, it became – it's one thing for me to bag on my team. It's like that with the Mets. Like it's right. one thing for us to bag on our team. We can do it super well. Plenty of and, and, it's, and it's so easy. It's another thing for the outside to continue to bag on your team. And you say, you know what? I got it. I can, I can handle this enough. So our gut reaction was that it's not going to work. And again, they, to me, Bri, they exist in this bubble. In this, in this, their own reality. But I mean, look at, listen to Rex after the press conference the other day. After the game in the press conference. You know, listen to guys like Antonio Cromartie guaranteeing the playoffs. They exist in this bubble where they almost can't believe that they're that this is happening. Well, now the question to you is this: Did Rex create this bubble? Did he build the bubble around the group? That's a great question. Because he might have. Well, well, he built part of it, Brian, because he nobody ever builds up their players more than he does. No, I, I, my, I'm asking you the question, but my answer is I think that he did. I think for four years this team has followed his lead. I think Woody's a part of it, though, Brian. I think yeah, Woody, okay. exists, Woody exists in that bubble without All a doubt. All right, so look, if, if, if Rex is blowing up the bubble, right, if we're, let's say it's a balloon – He's blowing this balloon to insulate the entire team. Woody is providing the balloon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I For sure. And incur and, and saying, Yeah, yeah, keep go on, keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. Right. I but mean I'm not I'm not gonna get political. <laughs> okay. You know, I I'll stop I'll stop the analogy there with Bill Maher's really good, you know, sort of example for that. And again, it goes both ways. We're not gonna talk politics, Democrats it, it, huge faction of Democrats exist in a bubble too. They have their own facts. That's what this is really more about. Well, I think I think any any group or person that that has strong convictions sort of exists in their own bubble. But there's a difference between strong convictions, Bry, and facts. Like when facts are staring you at, like three and six is they a ignore, fact, right? But they ignore they ignore the fact. And how they got to three and six is a fact. And Mike Tannenbaum's team that he has assembled over these last few years is a fact. They are devoid of t- – I mean, Caparosa said it today, and I still agree with him. They probably have the worst skill position players as an assemblage in the NFL. I mean, maybe Jacksonville now that Maurice Jones-Drew is hurt. Okay? But they, they, Brian, they maybe have the worst 
skill, and that's with Sanchez into the bargain. That's not to exonerate Sanchez in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so he assembled this talent. None of the facts of this talent have gotten into that bubble. And there's here's the other beauty part: they're not going to fire him. I don't think so. They're not going to fire him. I don't think gonna, so. He's going to turn over the Holmes Revis card. Tannenbaum, this is, mm-hmm. and say, eh. oh, and Ryan too. But Ryan, I don't think Rex That's... Ryan is nearly as. I look, you know my feelings. As Scott, as Scott said today, I'm not just a dark sider. I may be Darth Maul. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what that alludes to, there's a an old standing term for old Jet fans: dark siders and light siders. And the dark siders are often compared to the dark side of the force. And you would, when a guy who was optimistic, or a girl, a Jet fan who was optimistic, would slide over <laughs> to the dark side. You know, and for years I've fought going over to the dark side. I I got little horns coming out of my head. I'm Jack yeah. Maul at it's, this point. That I have to tell you, that's the most fascinating aspect of this season. What it's done to you, because you have always been the one. To yeah. Kind of, you know. Well, you know, maybe this, and maybe that, and 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 that that charade is so long yeah. over. I mean, I felt this way about this team. I was trying to think of this. I felt this way about this team maybe three times. One was Coslett after the loss to the Oilers um, in 91. I knew he had to go. I wanted him fired. But I still loved Ken O'Brien. I still had Tune on that team. Like I still had guys I liked on that team. I just wanted the coach gone. The other one is obviously Kotite. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, I, I, I don't think I was alone there in wanting Rich Kotite to be gone after a 1-15 season and 4-27 and in two years. And then this is the third time? And this is the third time. But this this feels entirely different. Well, it's amazing that it, that you feel this way about a team that went to the AFC Championship game two years ago. Yeah. Right? Was, was positioned to make the playoffs last year. Yep. And could have made a run. Sitting at 8-5. and five. They're 8-5. and five. I know. I know. I was there. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. It, it, it is what the GM has wrought. It is what the coach has wrought. And look, I I, I still like the guy. But he's. I, I was saying this the other day, Brian. I don't want to get your opinion on this. I was saying it. I think to Scott. He's regressed as much as Sanchez has as a head coach. I. Well. He's regressed. I'm sorry. He has after the 2010 uh, season when they went to the AFC Championship game and lost the second straight one. He was ready to make the leap too, to being an elite coach, and he has regressed. He lost the team entirely last year and missed and, the playoffs and didn't know it and had no idea. Wrote a book where he ripped the Giants to shred and then got beaten by them, and then they won a Super Bowl. Good job, everybody. You know, way to think of your fan base, by the way, who have to work with 25 giant fans every day. <laughs> like, that's, again, Brian, they don't, they live in a bubble. Yes, I know. They do not, don't they hear what fans, 30, 40 year fans of this team are saying about them? If if they do hear it, they don't care. I, I can't. I can't. And if they don't hear it, they're ignorant. I can't. I don't think it's ignorance, Brian. I think they just exist in that bubble. So they just don't hear – they're just like – it's hate just noise to them. We need you to come out and support us or whatever. We hate you right now. We hate you. 
You're making phone calls to tell us to come out and cheer. Okay? The product stinks. You know the bad thing about Rex Ryan is and look, this this what's worse about all of this is that this year four of Sanchez and Ryan was this was the year. This was the referendum on them. Because they had two great years, they had one bad year, and we Not, said and their, and their bad year was eight and eight. And it wasn't even that bad, right. right. And we said, Well, you know what, let let's give them a chance now. All right, this is year four, let's see what they got. Yep. And they have regressed so far this year. That's what I'm saying. He you is could, you couldn't have even, coach. You couldn't have you couldn't have predicted this. No. You know, and, and what it proves to you is that and and I think it's the worst kind of indictment on an athlete or a coach is that they can't handle things when they go bad. Right? All of these other these the great the great coaches and the great players in all of sports find a way to overcome adversity. You know, when faced with, with, with you know, crap that gets thrown in their way or, or a bad lot, they find a way to overcome that and they and and they rise above it. And what Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez have done is have gotten wrapped up in the negativity and have allowed it to just kinda like pull them pull them further yeah. down. Yeah. And 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 I think seeing that means that that's who they are and you're never going to succeed with them again in this town. At least not here. Yep. I think I think Sanchez I I'm going to say this and I know it's for posterity for whoever listens or whatever. I think and I've made bold predictions about Mark Sanchez before in the two and a half almost three years we've been doing the show and I've been wrong and I've freely admitted. Uh and I'll admit some of it was fandom and some of it was hope. Um, and some of it was also based on what I saw, because coming out of the 2010 season, after that season, after he beat Brady and Manning on the road, he wasn't the reason they lost to the Steelers, and he brought them back from 24 nothing, and they had a chance to win the game if the defense could have gotten a stop. Okay, and he was coming into last year at four and two in the playoffs with a 95 or 100 quarterback rating and nine. I mean. He had a really good year in 2010 and 11. He had a really strong second year. He was only 23 years old. And he had a really good first five quarters of this year. Yes. But um, but even last year, you know, he he I I expected him to take a leap or at least, you know, make he is irreparable in this town. Yes. He is he is irreparable in this town. And again, coming out of those playoffs from two years ago, Bri, you even had guys like the sports guy, like Bill Simmons and stuff, saying, "Hey, maybe I was wrong on San. Maybe you know, maybe he's just a money guy. You know, maybe like in a maybe he'll be like a big game, like a, a Ken Stabler or something like that. Like he's not going to overwhelm you in the regular season, but get him into a big game, and he's he's a player. I mean, these guys were saying that. These guys were saying they would take Sanchez over Flacco." Yeah. You guys are saying they'd take Sanchez over Matt Ryan, who hadn't won a playoff game. Still hasn't. Okay, so it's not like we were alone in thinking that he could become a good, you know, a, a, a solid regular season quarterback and then maybe a real good playoff quarterback. He has regressed mechanically, emotionally, mentally, with the mental aspect of the game. I'm not talking about off the field. To a point, it's, it's unbelievable. He's irreparable in this town. I don't know how many times I gotta say it. He needs to get traded to New Orleans, go back up Drew Brees for two years, learn from Drew Brees how to be a six foot quarterback in the NFL, and learn Sean Payton's offense. Take over for Brees when he retires. He'll be an All Pro. 
He'll be an all-pro. He's 25 years old. <laughs> He's only 25. He's yeah. ruined in this town. They ruined him. Bad they, coaching, and, and bad they, personnel. Right. And, they, and, and him. And him. And him still making the same mistakes. I don't care who the personnel is. On Sunday, you can't throw that ball to Dustin Calabry. You can't. Not after four years. Not in game 60 of your NFL career. Or whatever it is. You can't throw that ball. And you can't miss Stephen Hill setting up a campfire in the back of the end zone on on a lounge chair playing kumbaya because that's how camped out and alone he is in the back of the end zone. That he's he's got a uh, pot of beans on, on an open fire. That's how camped out he was. I was wondering why he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Really weird. I know. Really right? weird. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett was playing. And he had grown a beard. Like a really like long grizzly beard. It all happened so quickly. <laughs> that's how much. That's how long he was sitting by himself in the back of the end zone. You so, said it right. They, they they ruined him. They and maybe oh, they're, maybe, they're complicit in this. They're complicit maybe, in this. Maybe, terrible quarterback coach. Two maybe, terrible offensive coordinators. Maybe to say that they ruined him is going too far. But what 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 you cannot argue is that they did not do right by him, and they no. did not develop him the way. A number five overall pick, franchise quarterback of the future, deserves to be developed. Well, and trajectory-wise, the trajectory that he was on. I mean, you, you, Schottenheimer should have been fired after the Pittsburgh game. Okay, they should have had a new offensive coordinator last year. Going into sh- another year with Schottenheimer um, last year was a huge mistake. He should have been fired after they lost to Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game. Then they fire him. A year late, and Rex, Rex hires Tony Sperano in 10 minutes. They don't even interview anybody. Boy. And Tony Sperano has proven, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to hold out hope for the guy or whatever. We all did. But he, he's been terrible. It's been awful. Here's my Sperano point, Cal. Haven't heard anybody talk about this. Joe Cap was, uh, again, turn on the Jets. He was talking a little bit about this. Have you ever... I just noticed this being egregious the other day in the game. Have you ever seen a team that changes personnel? I'm not even just talking about Tebow. I'm talking about changes personnel on a play-to-play basis on offense more than the Jets do. That's a great point because everybody focuses on Tebow coming in and out, creating confusion, but it's not just Tebow. It's I mean, Jeremy Curley played 26 snaps the other day. 26 snaps. I know. There were downs where I love this. I almost, I mean, I was talking to Wesley because I was because Teresa's been sick and I was watching the game with Wesley. He was sort of watching Peppa Pig. But I was, I was, and I'm saying to Wesley, I'm saying, there, right now the person, there's one wide receiver. It's Clyde Gates, okay, who's probably not on an NFL roster. Okay. There's, Clyde Gates is, is Clyde Gates is the epitome of the made up guy that you draft in Madden in year five <laughs> of the franchise. Out of uh out like, of like Arkansas State. Or Arkansas something. State, that's right. <laughs> right. Clyde and it's just like a generic, you know, caricature of a player. Right. He he's also the guy you draft in that Madden and then they show his picture and you're like, Ah, oh, darn it. That guy? Yeah, like, or they show, like, his, his measurables. Like, he's 5'9", like, 185. Right. Like, oh, man. 
You can't. You try to trade them. You can't. Right. Them you can't anybody. get rid of them. So, so uh, single uh, one wide receiver, three tight ends. One of them being uh, Cumberland, who doesn't really belong on an NFL roster, uh, or at least practice squad. The other one is Justin Smith. Okay, as a third tight end. Hunter Smith. No, no, uh, no. The uh, oh, Jason Smith. Jason Smith. Thank you. Oh, the the lineman. The tackle. Yeah, he's the third tight end. Okay, he's the blocking tight end. Then you have Sean Green and Hilliard in the backfield, right? And he passes out of this set. It's a play action pass. So the only viable person to catch a pass there is Dustin Keller. Okay, and he passes out of this set. Jeremy Curley should not leave the field. Dustin Keller should not leave the field. Why are there snaps when Dustin Keller is not on the field? When does Rob Gronkowski leave the field? When does Wes Welker leave the field? When? Why are there formations? Like Sanchez is a rhythm passer, right? Mm-hmm. He's a complete streak passer. Right, completes okay. a 30-yard pass to Keller, and then they take him off the field. They bring in Tebow. They That's bring in Tebow. But even if he completes a five-yard pass, okay, right. there's an entire new new collection of receivers coming into the huddle. Right. What? what? How do you expect the guy to, first of all, you pull him out for Tebow. Second of all, when you do leave him in, you give him four different receivers to work with. And we're not talking about good receivers here. Well, does this go back to your point where they think that they're smarter than they are, where they feel like maybe they're confusing the other team, but what they're really doing is they're confusing their own team. Cal, they're three and six. They've played nine games. How many offsides have we seen? How many many offsides out of a timeout have we seen? How many delays of game have we seen coming out of a quarter? How many big plays have we seen, and they can't get a play in, and they take a delay a game or an offsides on the next play? Or how many timeouts wasted? Wasted, because they're mixing person. There's 800 personnel. I mean. And they're bad. And they're not good. It's not like you're bringing in, you know, it's not like you have a wealth of resources to, to rotate in and out. Jeremy Curley is the only playmaker you have on the team. How does he only play 26 snaps? If you have 60 snaps, he's got to play 50 of them. I, I mean, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I went back, and because I have a couple of games on tape, and just took quick looks at series or whatever. This is the whole season. Well, we're trying to create mismatches. Yeah, you're creating mismatches for your quarterback. Because he doesn't know where guys are going. How many times do we see Sanchez throw to the wrong spot? Because the receivers, it happened three times in the game the other day because Jason Hill runs to the wrong spot. But this is all Sperano. I mean, absolutely. Re- listen, Rex has to take responsibility because it's his team. And he hired he, him. And he hired him, but he left, but he gives, it was Schottenheimer before, and now it's Sperano. He gives the entire offense over to the yep. coordinator. He's and that is another problem. Coordinator. He's a defensive coordinator. I don't think, he's regressed to the point as a head coach where I don't think he's a head coach anymore. I think he's a defensive coordinator. And and he he just there was I don't know if you noticed this and I can't remember at what point in the game it was. And Rex is known for just being animated on the sideline and running around and yelling and cursing and just really being into the game. And there was one shot where they had the camera on Rex and he was just staring off into space. <laughs> it was early in the game too. I mean they they were still in the game. Right. He was just staring off into space like he 
like they they were on him for a good five seconds, and he was completely staring off. And then it was like he woke out of his daydream and he started talking into his headset. But it was I had never seen that from him before. <laughs> Where am I? Blacked out. What happened? He just like he, but like he has completely. He, you're he, right. He has, he does not see this coming. No. And he doesn't know how to handle it. Yep. I I had to get that personal th- personnel thing off my chest because I've never seen anything like it. Mix in the mix point. in the fact that when Tebow comes in, it's a whole new different personnel package. And so you you've got seven. I mean, I, I was I, I was saying this today. When does when does you know uh, you know Tony Gonzalez come off the field? When does Roddy White come off the field? But Steve, the, the, they the, never come off the field. And the other ever. point, the other point with that is that Tony Gonzalez has got three or four other weapons where he could come off the field occasionally, and you don't have to worry about it. You Two, take Keller off the field, there's nobody. Won. Exactly. Two tight end set, he's one of them. Three tight end set, he's one of them. Oh my God. I mean, it, it, and, and I, it, it makes no sense to me. So, good. Good job, everyone. It's, well, okay. It's thoroughly painful to watch them right now. It is. And now, now, okay, now let's... let's it's let's... gone beyond painful, Bri. It's, it's gotten to the point where I... I, I I I have I have I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I have never rooted more strongly for I'm gonna say it. I'm never rooted more strongly for a change from the top down for firings because I have never felt this way about the Jets, ever. It's embarrassing to be a Jet fan. It is. The league is laughing at us, the team stinks. The 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 Tebow the <laughs> And how do you not smile when this is played? And we'll... Uh, uh. Sorry. Um, you have to smile when that comes on. Um, that does help. That's the law. The, the, the team stinks. The, the Tebow Sanchez thing has gone exactly where everybody knew it would. I mean, exactly where everybody knew it would. Hey, he's, they've ruined two quarterbacks. They've ruined two quarterbacks. Oh, Oh, that was one other thing. With the Tivo Sanchez thing, fine. We'll talk about it. Fine. <laughs> Everybody keeps saying, like after this game the other day, all you heard was, especially from Adam Shine and and you know Ray Lucas and and the boys on SNY, except Brian Custer, who is like Custer now, by the way. I know. Like he's like the real life Custer at that desk. Like he's being completely overwhelmed. <laughs> so everybody. It's so obvious. You know what you have in Sanchez. You don't know what you have in Tebow. How could you not play Tebow? He's going to keep Sanchez in, Rex, in, at, the, at the cost of his job. You know what you have in Tebow. How is he some unknown commodity? He's not. You know exactly what he is as a quarterback. You're not going to find. You know who you don't know anything about? Greg McElroy. That's the only quarterback on the Jets you don't know anything about. You know exactly what Tim Tebow is. You know what teams he can beat. You know what teams he can't beat. You know what he can do. You know what he can't do. You know what he can throw. You know he can't throw. You know exactly what he is. Damian Woody said it today. Cal, he said, everybody can call for for Tebow all they want. The Jets are not last year's Broncos. They're not set up for Tim Tebow to win the way he was winning. I mean, Woody basically said it was a perfect confluence of events 
although he didn't say it quite like that, that allowed <laughs> that allowed uh uh what do you call it Tebow to be that six to win those six games. By the way, he won six games. Six. That's it. They went eight and eight. Oh, okay. And they lost to Kansas City in the last game of the year, and he was awful. Awful. Okay? They beat a Pittsburgh Steelers team that was playing without its two best defensive players in Mile High Stadium. Congratulations. You, all I'm saying is, Brian, you, and, and again, this is not this kid's fault. He doesn't belong here. He, doesn't, he never belonged here in New York, ever. They brought him here to sell tickets. And because it's an election year. What? what? I didn't... What? Um, how many tickets did they sell? None. Again, the bubble, bride. The bubble. There you go. The owner who has no clue what his fans actually want. So what happens here? Ah, the million-dollar question. What happens? All right, they've got... They've got a game against the Rams this week. Yeah, who cares? They've got the Patriots on Thanksgiving night. Oof. Five to three. <laughs> yeah, this is. Um, I mean, can they go four and twelve here? No, uh, because they still have uh, Jacksonville. They still have uh, the Bills. Who San Diego. San Diego, who they do very, very well against. Um, so what's going to happen? They're going to rally in those meaningless games, finish like seven and nine. Yep. And everybody's going to be back except Tebow. I don't know, but see, everybody keeps saying that. You think Tebow's coming back? Joe Cap said it today on his appearance on... Um, he said that he thinks they'll trade him. Everybody thinks that he's going to be... Why is that a no? Why is that a no-brainer? Could you not see... I, I would not put anything past the Jets right now. I would not put anything past them. You can't. I could see them cutting Sanchez and eating his salary and giving the job to Tebow. I can't put anything past this team. I can't. Here comes Tebow, and he wins the last two games of the year. You think they're trading him? Well, I think I I don't think Rex Ryan will ever put Tebow in. I don't I'm think he will, I don't think he'll ever do it. I think he is tied to Sanchez because one thing about Rex Loy, Rex Rex Loyal Rex Ryan <laughs> Rex Royalty. I just gave it away. Look at that. Right. Look what you did. Uh, he's loyal. He's loyal and stubborn to a fault. He might as well be called Rex Royal. That Rex Loyal. <laughs> is he a wrestler? He might as well be. He might as well be. He is, but he's one of those ones that loses every match. Right. He's a heel. He's a total heel. And he always gets beat up. Rex Ryan is loyal and stubborn to a fault, and he will go down with Mark Sanchez. Here's the only thing that, though, about that, Brian, I totally agree with you. He is stubborn and loyal to a fault. Personally... I still think he's right. I still I think, think that Mark Sanchez gives you a better chance to win than, with this team than Tim Tebow does. Now, I think he's right. You know, you know what I would do? What would you do? Well, the first thing I would do is scrap the Wildcat for a game. It's one game. Just give me one game where Mark Sanchez just runs the offense. No Wildcat. And you don't see Tebow at all? No Tebow. Did they use the Wildcat every game with Brad Smith? No, they did not. There was not a Wildcat play in every game when Brad Smith was there. It definitely was not. There were periods of three or four games where they didn't use it because they didn't need to. 
because it's a gimmick. It doesn't need to be run every game. That's not going to happen. So you think that there's no way Tebow's here next year? I don't see any way that Tebow's here next year. What do you make of this, Bri? We never really got into this. We did a little bit, and then we'll, we'll move on from the Jets, but there's just been so much. It seems to be accepted that Tim Tebow chose the Jets over the Jaguars because of the story out there that sources close to him say he chose the Jets because he thought Mark Sanchez would be an easier path to the starting quarterback job. And, oh, is he regretting that choice now and what his advisors must have told him and blah, 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 blah. Do we know for a fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars wanted him or wanted any part of him? Nope. That no. Story, that story's uncorroborated, right? Yes. So I love how it's just taken as fact, by the way. It's, it's everywhere. I think, I think he wanted to go to Jacksonville and they didn't want him. I think that if he had his brothers... I can't imagine for a second, especially considering what has gone on now, that Tim Tebow looked at Mark Sanchez and Blaine Gabbert and thought his fastest way to be a starter was to beat out Mark Sanchez. Says a lot about how bad Blaine Gabbert is. But, you know what you know what I think happened? I think he wanted to go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville had no interest. And then Woody got in his ear about being in New York. Mm-hmm. And Sperano got in his ear about, oh, we got all of these great things we're going to do with you. Right. And at that point, Tebow didn't have any other option, really. So he said, all right. Quote, unquote, chose the Jets. Quote, unquote. Right. Matter, right, it doesn't matter that there was no interest from the Jaguars. No, absolutely not. But that's not the. I mean, you could spin that story however you want. Right. Well, I don't. Jets. I don't think you can possibly say right now that he definitely won't be on the team next year because the season has not played out. Okay. And I, I, I disagree with you, Brian. I think he will play him at some point. I, I, I don't see it. I think he will play him at some point. Now, one more thing. Okay. Somebody said, um, just this last thing on Sperano. It seems a common theme for us, <laughs> to uh, to especially as Jet fans. I mean, this goes back to Heimerdinger. You know, this this goes back to uh, vilify the offensive coordinator. And we had you know a lot of Jet fans. Uh, and by the way, the Jet fan on Jet fan crime is at an all time high <laughs> like on Twitter. Like the Jet fan on fan crime is. I mean, it's nasty. It's gotten out of hand. You know, uh, it's not right. We need to take care of each other. But, you know, oh, I guess you guys all, you know, especially since they're playing the Rams this week and Brian Schottenheimer's the offense coordinator, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. guess you guys all want Schottenheimer. I guess Schottenheimer wasn't that bad, huh? I guess you want Schottenheimer back. Here's my answer. No. <laughs> just, because, just because Tony Sperano sucks doesn't mean Schottenheimer didn't. They, here's, here's the thing. They both suck. I just want a competent offensive coordinator here. I don't care who the quarterback is. I just want a competent offensive coordinator here. And we haven't gotten one. 
So, no, I don't want Brian Schottenheimer back. He still stinks. I was watching a Rams game earlier this year. They had first and goal from the eight. He threw two fades and a draw. There he is. There's Brian Schottenheimer. Two fades, one to each corner, and a draw. So, no, I don't want Brian Schottenheimer back. I don't want Tony Sperano either. Okay, let's wrap this up. Gut. Seven weeks to go in the season. Uh, give me, uh, do you think, uh, so let me give you the hypothetical. They finish six and 10. Okay. Sanchez finishes out the season. They keep doing the same thing that they're doing. Tebow, 10 plays, five plays or whatever. Maybe Tebow plays a quarter or something. Sanchez gets nicked up because with that offensive line, he's going to get hurt soon anyway. Um, and you know, Chris Jenkins will be happy about that. So, uh, they go six and 10. Does Tannenbaum get fired? No. Does Rex get fired? No. Does Tebow get traded? Yes. Does Sanchez get another shot next yes. year? Yes. So you would you ascribe to the Joe Cap uh, turn on the Jets sort of theory, which is his projection is – or not projection. His prediction is Tebow gets traded, they bring in a vet, and it's an open competition between the vet, Sanchez, and McElroy. I could see that. I think... Um, Does Sperano get fired? Yes. Right. No Tebow, no need. Yes. So I Sperano's think, one and done. I think the problem is when you take Woody and you take Tannenbaum and you take Ryan and you take Sanchez, they are all linked and entwined and tangled and, and tied together in a certain way where Woody is totally invested in Rex. And Rex is totally invested in Sanchez. Right. And I think it's like it's they all got to go at once. I don't think that, that chain of those four guys is never going to be broken until gonna, Woody, until Woody says that's it. I'm going to disagree with you. In, those, in that exact same scenario, I think Tannenbaum gets fired. I do. I think he is – I think Rex gets another year. I think Tannenbaum gets fired. I don't I I I just don't know player personnel wise, Cal. I mean they're signing guys every week and stuff. He sees this. Who sees this? The, the, Woody sees this because he will be told it. But he doesn't that, well here you go. Back to And the, Tannenbaum spans two regimes though, Bry. To finish out your bubble analogy, Woody won't get rid of Tannenbaum unless the public outcry is loud enough to penetrate that bubble. It's going to be loud. It's got to, it, it, it already, already is. But it already is. Yeah, it so, already is. Well, we have to wait. He's not going to get fired in season. Right, and he's not going to, and he will not get rid of him because he thinks Tannenbaum did a bad job. Right. He It'll be because of, right. Right. Okay, that's fair. Good. I, you feel good with the Jets? Yeah. Great. Hey. Look forward to everything. On the, on the plus side, we have uh, Sundays back to ourselves. To watch other football, real football. Real football. Okay, we got the Giants, we got the Mets, we got the Yankees. What are we with the Yankees? Just uh, me patting myself on the back about Robbie Cano. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm done. Why don't you do that? I'm done. All right, let's move on. Okay. Giants. I think I may have sprained something. Listen, Giants, (laughs) real quick on the Giants. Yes. What WTF with this second half under Coughlin? What is what is going on with this team? I saw a stat 
that they were like one in seven in game nine <laughs> under Coughlin over yeah. the eight years that he's been here. Here's the split. You ready? First half, 52 and 19. Second half, 27 and 38. <laughs> How does that happen? don't know. But they've won two Super Bowls. It doesn't matter. But it's crazy to me because they, their personnel has changed. So it's not like you could say, oh, well, they get winded after halfway through. <laughs> right. It's different guys. Yep. I don't, it just doesn't make sense. If it doesn't make sense. And the only, the only explanation, and it's not even an explanation because I, I can't imagine that this is it, is that Coughlin, who is the only tie through these eight years, and Eli to an extent, but he wasn't really involved in the beginning, get complacent after starting off the season six and two. Maybe maybe guys get a little tired of the rules, you know, and stuff like that, get a little lax. Yeah, maybe that's and then it. and then, you know, start to, to put things together. I I I it's 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 bizarre. I mean their November record is bizarre. It's crazy. And 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 then if you look at Dallas Tony Romo, I don't think, has ever lost in November. Right. But he's like 0 and 35 in December. But it's so that's good. Every year, this is the formula for the NFC. Right. The Giants and, jump out to a big lead. Right. They can't win in November. Dallas closes the gap. And then you got a race in December. Right. And then by December 1, they'll both be 6 and 6. Right. And then the Giants wind up, you know, pulling it pulling it together at the end of the season. Yep. And they make the playoffs. It's, it's I think, crazy. I think here's an amazing thing about the Giants right now. First of all, this is the time if you can get good money on them to win the Super Bowl. Like I'm, I'm put, if I can get like plus two fifty or something like that to win the Super Bowl, I'm putting hundred dollars down. This is the time. This is perfect. Right. <laughs> They've lost a couple games. They're, they they got to come back and play Green Bay after the bye. This is perfect time to make money on the Giants. That's a. <laughs> it's amazing what and and. It's not amazing. It's <laughs> it's eye-opening to me because I've not experienced it as a fan. What winning means to how your team is perceived. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the Jets last week, uh, uh, Mo Wilkerson said, uh, and this was part of a long quote, said... Uh, you know, Wilson's been doing a great – talking about the quarterback for the Seahawks. Wilson's been doing a great job, and, uh, hey, we just got to get to him, and, uh, you know, we're going to try to rattle him. You know, we got to rattle him. And, you know, and we're going to do it. We're going to get to him and try to rattle him and try to get him off his game. Okay? It's a relatively innocuous comment. It is. It was. I heard the interview. It was relatively – it's the Jets talking trash. Or as Rich Semini put it, completely belying his age as a tool, talking junk. Has a six and three or three and six team, uh, three and five team ever talked more junk? Hey, Rich, don't. It's okay. Don't, don't. Somebody's gonna be talking junk about you soon. Don't, don't do it. No, they all are. Yeah. So he says that uh, the the Giants get throttled this past weekend in Cincinnati. Throttled. I mean, they they got beaten up. Um, and and they've lost two games to AFC teams that they never see. Okay, they're unfamiliar with. Eli's in a bit of a slump. This is not a need to... But and I think it was Antrell Roll comes out and says, we beat ourselves. We gave them 21 points. You know, they they didn't do anything special. They're not that, you know... And, and during the week when A.J. Green says, again, innocuous comment says, I think there's some holes on that defense that maybe we can exploit. You know, in the secondary. 
Ancho roll, he better duck when I'm coming to get him. You know, when he comes across the middle, he better duck. Right? But they're winners. They're Super Bowl champions. It's they can fun. say what they want. They can say whatever they want. They can... They, and, and they didn't back it up. A.J. Green had eight catches for 96 yards and two touchdowns. They, they didn't back it up. And yet, it's glossed over. Or last year, when Antrell Roll guaranteed they'd make the playoffs when they were five and six. Much like Antonio Cromartie just did. When they were three and five. Again, what you can get away with because you've won is it's not even get away with, it's just how your team is perceived. Now that's not Antro now the Green Bay Packers said the same thing about losing the NFC championship game last year. We gave them the game. Right. We gave the game away. They didn't do anything special to beat us. We beat ourselves. Same exact thing that Antro World just said about the Bengals in a 31-6 game. Or 31-13, I think, was the final. Right? The Packers disrespectful, talking all sorts of smack. They're, they're disrespectful. Shut up. Go away. Well, you know what, Giants? You just got smacked. Obviously, they did do something special. How come they're not disrespecting the Bengals? Ah, because the Bengals aren't Super Bowl champs. That's what it buys you. It's it's remarkable. It really is remarkable. You, no, you're right, and and it's something that we'll never we'll know. Never experience. That's correct. Ever. Speaking of never experiencing a championship, the New York Metropolitans. Oh boy, we're gonna we got a ton of hot stove stuff to do, and we're gonna have. Uh, I've already talked to you. Should know. I've already talked to Ted. Uh, Berg from TedCourt.net. Oh. oh, you have? Yeah, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Not about the big talk we're going to have with them. Okay. Uh, and I've talked to Patrick, uh, uh, Patrick Flood from PatrickFloodBlog.com. Are they, are they, will they be joining us anytime soon? They, they are not uh, too big. They are going to be joining us for Hot Stove Baseball. That's what I like to hear. Um, and talk about the Mets. But Because they know their stuff and they're fun to talk to also. Yes. They're excellent. And the Arrested Development uh, uh, quotes, uh, Patrick Flood is a, uh, a great – he's like a, like a little uh, Dennis Miller classic, though. Not Like good Dennis Miller. Right. Not before, not before we lost Dennis Miller. Um, the Mets uh, – Brian, are you buying that – they are, have not signed Wright and Dickey because it's part of the grand plan to not sign Wright and Dickey? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm not buying that at all. You said that like it, like your daughter. Like, like, a, like a nine-year-old? No. Right. Like, did you, you caught, like you caught me. Did you brush your teeth? No. <laughs> yeah? Well, I, um... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm not buying it. I think it's I think it's nonsense. What you sent me earlier in the week was just just not uncorroborated nonsense. That you're referring to the uh they'll have to sell in two years? Yeah, they're they're more broke than, than we originally thought and this was a freelance writer for the Wall Street Journal that was speculating. He had no information except the source that D-E-F would know. All caps. All caps. Deaf would know. Deaf would know. That's my new That's my new band name. 
I feel like I feel like Shamini Shamini should hang out with this guy for uh, <laughs> and Maida and Manesh for young jargon. Yeah, <laughs> talk <laughs> junk. The kids would know. As a team, ever talk more junk, dude? Don't, don't. You're not. That's not. You, your picture's right on Twitter, Rich Shamini. We see that you're like a 47 year old guy. Uh, God. You know, like he should have just wrote the Jets are really good. Not. Not. Fitty. <laughs> guess you're singing. Guess you're singing, rapping the national anthem at the Jet game. Fitty. F I D D Y. Fitty cent. Uh, he's like Heyman. Heyman does he's stuff. Like, <laughs> like he's, he's so. They're like so uncool trying to be hip. I think John Heyman should his slug should be obvious land. Like every <laughs> every story he breaks should be from obvious land. This is John Heyman reporting from obvious land, land of the obvious. <laughs> I listen, I don't I don't buy it with the Mets. I think everything is exactly the way it has been. I don't think there's anything new, and I don't think that the fact that they Look, it would not shock me. Are you about to go Evan Roberts on me? That was an, that was. I'm sorry, buddy. I had to call you out on it. That was a very Evan Roberts setup right there. Are you about to tell me what you're not going to accept? Listen, I'm not buying this. <laughs> you're about to tell me? I'm a New Yorker, and I'm a fan. Don't try to pull the wool over my eyes. If they try to tell you that, you tell them they're wrong. <laughs> it's the new tough guy, Cal. Oh, no. We went away for three weeks, and you came back with a whole new on-air persona. <laughs> it's just a shtick. It's a, it's a, it's a shtick. Look, it works so well. Angry defiance works so well. It really you, does. When you're debating the hot topics of sports. Yep. Just complete, yeah, just complete disregard for anybody else's opinion. No, you, you're wrong, let if me you tell you think, something. If you think for a second that Mark Sanchez is the answer for this team, you're wrong. And you'll be wrong forever. And I'm right. Look, I wasn't born yesterday, all right? <laughs> Do I look oh. like I just fell off the back of a truck? I'm not buying it. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> I'm savvy about these things, and I know, and I know better, and you don't. It does give you some sort of license to uh, to cut through it, I guess. Just you're a New Yorker; you New can Yorker. just shout your sports opinion really loud. What do you want from me? That you, you can you can handle anything because you're a New Yorker, right? You're unbelievably uh, provincial, and you think you you know whatever you're going through is the most important thing in the world, right? Right. But hey, we're New Yorkers. We're New Yorkers. Don't try to tell... So you were about to not try to tell me. Wait, I wasn't going to tell you? No, it had nothing, absolutely nothing like that. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Gun to your head? <laughs> <laughs> Say something funny. Say something funny, Mike. The, um, it wouldn't surprise me. I feel like I'm, I'm doing that skit on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Nicholas Fane, who does the the news, he says, oh, "Tell right. me," and they'll tell you. But it's funny, <laughs> and you know, I had this thought the other day. Right. Look at this, guys. You guys, you guys, look at this. Look at this. Check this out. He's got the newspaper. It's in it's 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 in Portland. They're gonna try to tell you guys. 
You know what? The, you know part of that is based on Marin. Yes, I know. Yeah, because he talked about it when he had when he was on with Marin. It's so it it, it he looks like Marin when he does that guy. Is that that guy's name? Nicholas Fame? Nicholas Fame is his, the character. You guys, you guys, you guys are gonna love this. You guys are gonna you gotta see yeah. this with his irreverent take on the news. Right. <laughs> um. By the way, Louis C.K. killed it. First Saturday Night Live I watched in a long time. Louis C.K. killed it, and and I thought Anne Hathaway was great this week too. I only saw the McDonald's sketch. Uh, Taron Killam, by the way, breakout star. Is that the breakout star? I believe so. You're He's predicting it? Fantastic. He the, the McDonald's sketch was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> they think they're going to be fired, so they go off on everybody. Um, but the, the Louis C.K. Lincoln. Oh my goodness! Lincoln was great. Lincoln, the um, Lincoln, Lincoln. The, oh. uh, with the interpreters, the Spanish interpreters <laughs> for Bloomberg and Christie was was terrific. Yes. The uh, even you know it, it was like a throwaway sketch, but he he really committed to it. The guy checking out of the hotel room, <laughs> and he's the he's the uh, the checkout desk at the right. checkout desk. That would be $185,000 for the Hope Diamond. One one tiger. Right. I didn't order a tiger. That's why we go through this. (laughs) Right. It was was a very sort of walk-in. He was good. Like it was a sketch they would write for walk-in and say, just go be you and kill it. He was was the the good day, the, uh, not good day New York, the uh, Fox and Friends. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they just, I, they, I am the government. I am the government. They nail it. Yeah. So you were going to say about the Mets. I'm sorry. No, what was I going to say? David Wright. I believe it wouldn't surprise me if the Mets have have come to an agreement with David Wright, but they're not going to announce it in the middle of a hurricane. They're not going to announce it in the middle of an election. Right. You know, they have... Um, I'm uh, hearing they're $20 million apart. <laughs> Are you reporting that? I... From somebody who would DEF capital, no, I'm reporting that they're talking junk <laughs> and they're 20 million apart. And the Mets are close, not right. Um, no, uh, uh, Cerrone had had put that out there. There's no one more optimistic than Cerrone. You know, my question, Bri, the guys on mostly Mets podcasts were talking about this too, and they had actually from last week's episode, Bri, they had a great conversation about. What is too much for David Wright? Like, where, where are we drawing the line? For da- are we doing seven years and $145 million for David I, Wright? You know, I think what he ultimately gets, and I, am, I would be shocked. I would be very surprised if they do not announce an extension within the next two weeks. Okay. I'll be shocked. I, I'll go, I'll go I, that far. I would not. Okay, that's fair. But I, I really, I really believe that they're gonna they're gonna tie it into whatever it is that they're gonna do before the winter meetings. Right. And I think that they like either a trade need, or something like that. Yeah, they they either need to have him in the fold or not going into the winter meetings so that they know how they're going to proceed. Here's that's that's an interesting take. You might be right. I here's where I am with the Mets. I I think Sandy Alderson knows that he has to do something. I think there's a clear. I was talking about this with uh, a guy named John Presser on uh, on Twitter. Real good Met fan, a uh, good Jet fan. We've gone back and forth and had some really good discourse, and just talking about the idea that Alderson's hands have been 
somewhat tied. I mean, I think that's abundantly clear. But he also knows that there's nothing is forever. Um, that you can't have this job in New York with no expectations for long, and that there are expectations this year. And I think I think that's clear to him. And I think anybody who thinks that, I feel like I, I may not be right. I don't know the man, but everything you read and hear uh, is that he's a super competitive guy. And so I think the idea that he just took this job and it's a cush job and there are no expectations and he was a man, you know, he was a, a favor from Seelig and is 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 sort of nonsensical. So, I mean, this guy is an ex-Marine who's been successful at everything he's ever done in his life. He he wants to win. I don't think he's here. I think he was here partially for the bloodletting as a favor to Seelig or on Seelig's recommendation because he was the right guy for the job. But he's going into year three now. He wants to win. I think that it's fair to have expectations this year of a direction. I don't think you can expect to win this year. But, but I think that's not on him, though, Bry. That's my thing. That's not on him. Well, but what are, what are the expectations? It's just what he can spend. What are the expectations of him? You want to start to see the, the, the guys that they've drafted over the last couple of years start to develop. That's what you want to see this year. Sure. You want to see Zach Wheeler at some point this year. You want to see the fruits of that trade. Right. And you want to see them. You want to see them address areas of need from last year, whether it's modest or not. You know. You mean like three outfielders, like a uh, major league outfield, a major league bullpen. Well, they got rid of Jason Bay, right? So they bought out Jason Bay. We find out today that the money is deferred to 2015. Right. So they wind up. They wind up only paying him, I think, six million dollars this year. They save almost ten million dollars this year. All right, that's, that's huge. It's huge if they reallocate it and not just pocket it because of the right. debt. Well, as Megdal said, they're going to totally pocket it because you know right. this helps the Wilpons. It's not going back into the team. Blah blah blah. Yeah, well, I I I, I think I, I think it has a good chance of going back into the team. I uh, think it does. Because, I think because they were at I'm sorry, Brian, because they were at eighty five point six million dollars on six players. So in order to field a team, they have to put another $10 million into the payroll. What was David Wright supposed to make this year, $15 million? They picked up his option, and it's 15 or 16 Okay, so that's on the books anyway. So yes. that $10 million isn't even going to go to him if they extend him long term. Correct. I, look, I, I believe that they're going to extend him. I think, to answer your question, how much is too much for David Wright, I think what they give him is going to be too much. But you have to. But you have to. You don't have a you don't have a breaking point. No, no. But I, I you don't I, have a line where you. I mean, seven years, one forty-five. You don't walk away there and say, "Hey, good luck, pal. Good luck." You know, no. we'll, we'll trade you at the deadline and get some. I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, when's no, enough enough? Because you know why? Because this because David Wright, the signing of David Wright to whatever you're going to sign him to is a legacy signing. And it, it it will make him the face of the Mets for the next – as long as he's alive. Right. And it's a goodwill gesture to a fan base that you've pooped on. It's a goodwill I, gesture. I am the insult comic dog style. It's a goodwill gesture to the fan base you've pooped on and to the third baseman you've pooped on. <laughs> Who you said wasn't a superstar. Right. I think – you know what? I think that's some uh, – that's like when Kobe Bryant had to buy his wife that diamond ring <laughs> right after he got caught cheating on her. Yeah, I think this is kind of like, oh, well, I guess we got to give him a there's, there's that extra eight carat diamond ring. 
Um, now, R.A. Dickey is a whole other ball of wax. A knuckleball of wax? A, ooh. Ooh, terrible. Kinky. <laughs> Flintstone. It would it would be so Mets. Only the Mets wins the Cy Young, trade them the next day. Trade them the next day. Out of town Literally. Day. Yeah. Like, they're, they're going to announce the Cy Young tomorrow night? Yes. Right. Um, and then Thursday... He's gone. Congratulations. You're a lot, you're an Anaheim Angel. Los Angeles Angel of, I, Anaheim of Orange County. I think I think the thing with Dickie though is you have to be very careful and not uh you have to temper your expectations on what he could bring back in a trade. Because even though he could be the Cy Young Award winner, I don't think you're gonna get quite the haul that well, you he's, expect. For a Cy Young Award. Yeah, he's a different type of Cy Young Award winner. He's a 38-year-old knuckleballer right? Uh, who had a magnificent season by any metric. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, you're not going to go bring back. Now, uh, huge trade today. The Marlins send 1,800 players <laughs> to the Blue Jays for two prospects. Right. That's fair. Uh, no, uh, Jose Reyes, Mark Burley, Josh Johnson, Emilio Bonifacio, uh, who is not Italian, but man, it's fun to hope that he wish he was. He should own a pizzeria and play center field. <laughs> <laughs> and second base and third base. He's the ultimate fantasy guy, if he could only stay healthy. Uh, and, and John Buck. And John Buck and somebody else. There was no. another guy. Five. Another pitcher. Burley, Johnson, Reyes, Bonifacio, Buck. Okay, for uh, who? For five on. prospects. Right. Not no major leaguers. Henderson Alvarez. That's what I was thinking of. All right, I couldn't I couldn't be sure where he was going. Uh, Yunel Escobar. Yes, major leaguer. Which that's good. You know, you get rid of the guy that that disparaged Cubans in Miami. So then you bring in the one that puts homophobic slurs on his eye black. Good job, everybody. Way to go, Jeffrey Loria. I mean. I mean, you, you here. You, if, if we're throwing out uh, dated phrases, yeah. Boy, are the Marlins a hot mess. They <laughs> tweeted John Hammond. They are right. They are wearing pink and red on Thanksgiving Day. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. They, uh, I saw, they will have twelve of their twenty-five uh, players from their opening day roster last year will have been traded, right. including their entire starting infield. And I think I didn't. I don't. don't and their opening it. and their opening day pitcher, right? And the only player of any value left on that team, Giancarlo Stanton, is not happy. He is not a happy person. I, I'm going to throw this at you, okay? It's a dicky knuckleball, so be ready. You know what I'm going to say. Oh, God. Do you do? Do you do Wheeler for? No, no, no. Oh, come on, Brian. No. Are you kidding me? Put yourself together. Are you kidding me? I make that trade in a heartbeat. This I... Not Harvey. Not Harvey. Wheeler. For Stanton? No, I'm saying if you... You'd have to throw something else in, but not much. You're out of your mind. Wow. You are Evan Roberts, sir. I'm a New Yorker. I'm not going to make that trade. What's it? What's it? Honestly, I got my wits about me. If wow, what's the, it's apparently you're my aunt Camilla as well. 
<laughs> who, who has their wits about them in 2012? I'm tough. <laughs> I was I was born on a day. It wasn't yesterday. That's that was a Sperano uh, from two weeks ago. Good I job, know. everybody. Really, oh. really, you, know. you, you were born on a day that they didn't hand out uh, offensive plays. <laughs> That's right. Clearly, <laughs> you were born on a day when they ran an offense from Hempstead High School, circa 1984. Uh, that's the playbook you got on the day you were born. His playbook is reminiscent of the original Tecmo Bowl, <laughs> when it was just four boxes, right? But somehow you change personnel on every one of them. <laughs> somehow you have different receivers on every one of the four boxes. <laughs> he literally is – his playbook is literally Tecmo Bowl. That's what we should just call him. We should call him Tecmo Coach. Tecmo Tony. The, the defense is watching <laughs> – and they're like, well, you know, they're mixing up their personnel, but it could it really be at a 25% chance of, of completely predicting the exact outcome of what they're going to run. And also, the personnel they're bringing in suck. Like, there's plays where they don't the, – the guy was breaking down the offensive film. He said there's plays they don't even cover guys. They don't even cover them. Like, there was, like, a third and six, and they had Jason Hill. It was either Hill or Gates split out wide. And the the corner let him go. Completely let him go because he knew Sanchez was not going to throw the ball to him. Because he knew they were only going to go for a first down to Keller. How did we get back to this? <laughs> Tecmo Tony. Oh, that's sticking. That Tecmo is sticking. Tony. Tecmo Tony. You have a 25% chance of completely <laughs> stopping the play. Because if you called the right play in Tecmo, it was always a loss. Oh, it was a loss. Right. Or an interception. Right. Okay, so. As far as the Mets. Zach Wheeler for. No. You're not. No. No. Because that would because what you're doing is, is you're building around Wheeler and Harvey. They're six months apart in age, Wheeler and Stanton. Six months. I don't care. I don't care how far apart they are. It could, could be fraternal be... twins for all I care. That would be difficult. I, fraternal. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to trade Wheeler. That's the not look alike ones, right? Right, the ones that don't look alike. Great, thanks. I'm going to keep Wheeler and Harvey. You're not trading Wheeler no in Carlos Stanton. Nope. The, in, the, the way that this team is... You get to keep Harvey. Nope. The way that this team is constituted. Nope. And you're not... You don't have a... Ah, Major League outfielder, let alone many Major League outfielders that require an entire gun rack. Just wait. Oh, you're you're uh, Cal. I wow. There's a plan. This look. I I'm not. I am not willing to sacrifice what the plan is. You have a young stud pitcher who came up and pitched super well last year. That you that could be an ace of your staff. Wait. When can you ever have too many young stud pitchers? When can you ever have a 21-year-old outfielder who's Daryl Strawberry? He strikes out 300 times a year. He has 93 home runs in two and a half years. You don't have a outfielder. Oh, I'm uh, no, I'm not doing it for Harvey. I will do it for Wheeler. I'm not. I, I would do it for Harvey more than I would do it for Wheeler. Oh, you're crazy. Why? Wheeler is the better prospect. Harvey's pitched to the major league level. I know what I have in Harvey. I, if the Mets could sneak in and make that deal, I'm carrying Sandy Alderson around on my shoulders. <laughs> you will have basically turned Carlos Beltran into Mike Stanton. Or, sorry, Gene Carlos Stanton. 
for a guy who never had to play for your team. I think turning Carlos Beltran into Zach Wheeler is going to be perfectly fine. I think you're going to be okay with that. I'd be better with Gene Costan. Don't worry, they're going to get somebody. He and he's under control too. He's like on his first contract. He's out of control, that guy. <laughs> well, no, right now he is. He's mad. He, what did he tweet? How do you not have a trade clause if you're Jose Reyes? By the way, Bry. How do you not have a no trade clause? He wasn't. He wasn't. What could possibly go wrong with this with this mix in Miami? This is great. The classic stadium grab. Oh my goodness! It is, and we rack the tape from last March. We said it. We did. Said it in spring training. They were being picked to win the and and look, we will break our arms, patting ourselves in the back. This, on this one, yeah. We don't like to do that, but you know what? I don't mind. We <laughs> they were being when all we said was, I don't know why they're being picked to win the NL East. This is a combustible mix at best. I, I this was this was the this was the classic. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> it's just Tito and Sanchez. Oh, but this was, I mean... This is what the rest of the country was saying about Tebow and Sanchez. What we were saying about the Marlins. But even, I I could not have seen it happening this quickly. Yeah. Within a year. (laughs) Within less than a calendar year. It took less than one week for the manager to be suspended (laughs) on this team. He hadn't even put, like, his tchotchkes out on the desk yet. He had boxes yet to unpack. (laughs) He's... He's still taking up, you know, pictures out of, you know, framed pictures and stuff. Still putting up on the walls. Already suspended. <laughs> the walls like half painted behind him. Heads <laughs> with the painters' caps. Like, <laughs> what? what? He's suspended already? Bitch, hold on, guys. Fellas, <laughs> put a hold on that for a minute. We don't know how long he's gonna be here. You know what, fellas? You got another week to finish it because he's suspended. So oh take your time, relax. Do you, do you think that there will be more fish in the tank than fans in the seats next year at the park? If I were a Miami Marlin fan, I would sue. I would put together a petition and sue uh, Loria for my money back for the stadium. I really would, because this was a classic. I, I, I it, it's so. First of all, they told the the owners of the Marlins and the, and the president and stuff like that, like, said what they were doing. Right. Called the people idiots for building the stadium. You know, you know, had their 47% moment, you know, where somebody, you know, <laughs> accidentally taped the guy saying, like, and these idiots are going to pay for it. This is awesome. So then they go and spend what, like a quarter of a billion dollars last offseason or something ridiculous? Whatever. I mean, On all these players. And they started the fire sale like three months into it. The other thing that I, I completely forgot, and I, somebody tweeted it today, they made Pujols an offer. They made Albert Pujols an offer last year. Right. He didn't take it. That's right. But they made, they made Albert Pujols an Like an, an eight-year, <laughs> like $180 million, $200 yeah. million. That's right. I had forgotten about that. Where would he be right now? I'll tell you what, you know why he probably didn't take it? They weren't going to give him a no-trade clause. That's right. They weren't going to give that. That's exactly why he didn't take it, now yeah. that you mention it. They weren't going to give him a no-trade clause. How Jose Reyes' agents stink. They got him a They got him a bad deal with the Mets. His deal was under market with the Mets. 
right. the one he signed in 207, in 2007. And now they send him down to Miami. They take the huge cash grab, and they don't get him a no-trade clause? Have fun in Toronto, Jose. Oh, he's in Toronto. He's as far away from Miami as you could be. Yeah. And he's got to play 81 games on artificial turf with bad legs. With bad legs. With with seven Latinos in the community. What a what a, what a terrific recipe that is. Yeah, that should go well. That they've cooked up. And you know, hey Toronto, this is this has worked out really well for every team that's tried this before. <laughs> you know, anytime somebody how about the Dodgers? the Dodgers how they did last I year. I can't kill Toronto for this deal though. Because that's a, that's a good young team. They have I, a lot of pieces. I can't kill them, but it never works. Uh, what what the Marlins did never works. It never works. No, the Dodgers did the same thing last year. They brought in Gonzalez and they brought are the in... Dodgers, are the Dodgers going to be a better team next year than they would have been if they not made that trade? I mean, let's say for conversation's sake that Carl Crawford comes back and can play. They went from having James Loney at first base to Adrian Gonzalez. They went from having, who knows, at shortstop, you know, D. Gordon at shortstop to Hanley Ramirez. You know, they're a better team. They are a better team than they were. Fair enough. But that's that's not to say it's going to work, but this is, to me, trading for these guys when you're about to become a... a, I think the Blue Jays are right there. I mean, there's a lot of good young talent on that team. They're obviously, they were competitive or whatever. They need to do this to compete with the Yankees. And, you know, the Red Sox are going to retool and the Rays. You know, they need to do this. Apparently they needed the, to make a move like this. Apparently, the Red Sox made an offer for Reyes and Josh Johnson. See, that's where they should have. I mean, they were in on it, and then Toronto just kind of blew, just blew them out of the water. With, well, with, well, Toronto, well, Toronto probably agreed to take all five. Yeah, but there's also some holdup with the money, and I think the, the Miami's going to have to send some money back too. To yeah, but I, I I saw that it was a uh, a negligible amount, Brian. I didn't see that it was that much. I think the if I had to speculate, which I'd love to do wildly here on the podcast, is that um, the Toronto agreed to take back all five guys. Because <laughs> nothing's better than it. I mean, look what the Red Sox did last year. Like, yeah, we'll give you – you want John Lackey too? How many of these huge, ridiculous, stupid contracts will you take? Right. We'll take lesser prospects if you take more guys. But they're bad oh, contracts, oh. but they're good players. Oh, I love this. I love this. I love it so much. So, just last thing on the Mets. Yeah, and we're, 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 we should wrap because I mean this has been a. I, I'm exhausted. I know we didn't even get to the five and zero Knicks. We didn't even get to, but we got time with the Knicks. I don't know. As I said, clearly somebody got wind of me maybe reading really good, <laughs> good Mets, and has decided to be a juggernaut. Still haven't given up uh, ninety points yet, Cal. No, and they they won again tonight. By double digits. By double digits. And they were losing, I think, going into the into the fourth quarter. Yep. yep. I checked it with about um, nine minutes. They were down by a point, but they yeah. were making a run. I was trying to. I was. This is the first game I actually got to watch a little bit of, and um, they give up eight points in the fourth quarter. <sighs> Tremendous job. It's amazing. That's excellent. So is Dickie and Met going into oh the next boy. season? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! I wow. I I I feel like I have I have no grasp on what this team is going to do. What I was going to say before is where I am with the Mets, and this no no this just plays into it. 
I want to say that it's a, a, that they absolutely will sign right and they will extend him and and make him the you know the the the, the long term offer that he deserves. No part of me that's confident that they're not going to screw it up. I want them to be able to get Dickey and be savvy enough to get him for two years, but give him you know whatever twenty four or something like that, or you know give him the twelve million per. So raise his salary next year, give him a year on top of that. Suddenly he's made twenty four or twenty five million dollars. He's happy with it. They're happy with it. It's only a two year commitment, uh, and the guy who's a real good influence in the clubhouse stays with the team. They're going to screw it up. I don't think the money is there. I'm concerned now that legitimately the money is not there to do those things. I think the money is not there for them to make a... Their their stability with the team financially as owners is not there to make a seven-year, $145 million or six-year, $120 million commitment to right. And they're... Their money is not there for next year to even make it, you know, to pay R.A. Dickey $12 million next year, to give him a $7 million raise. And so they're going to have to pick up the options and trade them. Both of them? Yep. That's what I think is going to happen. I'm I'm just being honest. You, you, you can see that happening. You wouldn't put it past them for that to happen? Or do you think... That's going to happen. Do I have to check one of these boxes? Right. <laughs> More D, like, none of the above. <laughs> I am starting to think that's what's going to happen. We need to keep you off of Twitter. And I think we really do. I think and that I that's think part of the problem. I think right. I think there's a that right goes into the season, or or uh, strike that reverse it. I don't think they let Wright go into the season if an extension is not going to be worked out. I agree with that. I think they trade him before spring training. They don't let him play. Into, they don't do Reyes again. Yeah, no, I, I, he won't be a lame duck. Right, where there's speculation when they're going to move him, who they're going to move him for. Yeah, I they agree do with what that. They do what they do with Santana, which is trade him during the winter meetings um, and let the other team have 72 hours to work out the extension or whatever. He's not a ten and five guy yet, is he? He hasn't played ten years. No, two thousand four. And so he's got no he's got no no trade protection. Got no no trade protection. And 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 honestly, if the extension doesn't work out, I don't think he'll care. I think he'll want to go. I think if, so if they can't give him six years and one hundred and twenty million or whatever uh, as a good faith thing, I think he'll want to go, and I couldn't blame him. Dicky, I could see them going lame duck with the hope that. He pitches well early on next year, and they can get more from. Him. And they can deal him at the deadline, or even even in June, you know. But he shows that he that this year was not a complete fluke. And if he doesn't, eh, what have you lost? You know what I mean? You'll still be able to deal him at the deadline for something. But you you stand to get a greater upside if he can go into next year and pitch well in April, May, and June. Then he shows he's not a. Lame duck, you may be able to, or a, a one-year wonder, you may be able to get more from. The only, the only, the only part of that I would disagree with is that if he wins the Cy Young Award, I think they could capitalize on that, and his, and his value intrinsically will just go up. I don't think you can, though. In my scenario, my doomsday scenario, uh, I don't think you can trade both those guys 
like within a week of each other and expect to see 10 people at the stadium. I mean, un, un, uh, uh, unless David Wright brings you back someone good. I, I don't know. I have nothing there. Yeah, I don't even I don't even know what they could get. But like what like what could what could be brought back for David Wright that's not prospects that people are going to be like, "Oh, okay, it stinks, but oh my goodness. There's I no, don't know. What was the rumored what was the rumored trade last Mike year? Trout would be the guy. Could you imagine? Oh boy. It won't be. No, but okay. We're gonna we're gonna rely on our buddies, uh, mostly Mets guys. Depends on the deal, right? But we actually there actually was a deal floated out last week. Um, that that's how I got to talking with John Presser and uh, who writes a sports blog. We should have him on. Um, he's he's pretty good. Um, and we got to t- and we were joking about it. no matter if if Sandy makes that move or doesn't make that move, he's gonna get killed. Doesn't make a difference. Um. Oh, sugar! What was the deal? Because I asked the the mostly Mets guys, and then uh, Twitter went out. Like I broke Twitter by asking them. Is that was that the deal for uh, BJ Upton? Yes, that was the Upton deal. It was BJ Upton or Justin Upton? Uh, uh, Arizona, Justin. Ah, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I don't know. What did I do? Bad. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I don't know what happened there. I uh, think I really, I really think that you you were on Twitter too much and you're panicking with all of these reports of the I, of the Mets. No, I I think the Jets have ruined me. Oh, the Jets too. And I think now it <clears throat> it's made me be uh, this. I think I've gone to the dark side for the Mets too. I'm expecting the worst. That's weird because I'm not there yet. I I'm actually I am actually expecting them to to resign right. I am soon. expecting the absolute worst. Oh, the deal was Nice and Nice and Flores, Wilmer Flores for uh ba- for uh, Arizona Upton, Justin. Would you do the deal? I don't see. I don't like Upton. Yeah, I don't know if I'd do that deal. I don't like. I mean, that's that's the type of guy that you would want back in a deal like that. They need an outfielder. Yeah, I know. Uh outfielder or a catcher. They need a catcher too. <clears throat> they need three outfielders, Bry. They released Jason Bay and Lucas Duda just had wrist surgery. Oh, only the Mets. You know. You know what my favorite response to the only the Mets uh, Evan Roberts tweet was. Um, you know, Evan Roberts immediately tweeted, and we we kill Evan Roberts, but look, he's just he's trying. Yeah, uh, a little too but, hard. Yes, but he tweeted, you know, oh, you know, he broke his wrist moving furniture. Only the Mets, you know, blah blah blah. And somebody tweeted back to him, didn't Jabba Chamberlain break his <laughs> break his leg on a trampoline last year? <laughs> it I was like that. cricket, cricket. Oh yeah, right. Oh maybe maybe that one's not only the Mets. <laughs> you mean to tell me that a major league ball player can't hire a moving service? <laughs> the mostly Mets guys were great. They were talking about maybe he was redecorating. We don't know if he was moving his house. Maybe it was just like him and his girlfriend. He was like, let's try the couch over there. Oh, and he hurt his wrist. We don't know that he was, you know, 
that he was, he was he was moving to another house. Maybe he's a chronic redecorator. We don't know. Anyway, let me, you, let me tell you something. He's going to move furniture. I'd rather him do it at the beginning of November yeah. than like in late February. He's Kirk Neuenheis is your everyday only everyday outfielder, by the way. And he was hurt on the roster. <laughs> he's coming up. Now that's only the Mets. Only the Mets. The, the stupid freak injury in November, not only the Mets. Because uh, Jabba Chamberlain right now holds that record for breaking his, almost dying on a trampoline. Well, if if you would believe some reports. Yeah. He, ble- <laughs> he must bled out. Right. <laughs> it was like an episode of uh, Chicago Hope. Right, he had to fashion a tourniquet out of... Uh... the kid. I hear the kid, I hear his son, his five-year-old son. Was, was, able, the, was the tourniquet? Was able to... He used his five-year-old son as a tourniquet. He not, for some reason, he had his Yankee uniform on and he used a jersey. <laughs> because the Yankee emblem is impervious to blood. No, no, you can't rip the jersey. That's no, you, didn't, you didn't rip it. Sacrilegious. He didn't I hope rip he it. didn't like, he shred just, it. Right, he no, just he wrapped just, it up. He just right. wrapped it up and, and miraculously... The emblem was right on the ankle. What is that... And why... Uh, what does that jersey fetch on eBay? Uh, that's, the right bloody, with, that's right there with the bloody sock. The bloody sock and yeah. the bloody jersey. And, oh, um, no. I, I, that's where I've gotten with the Mets. That's how I feel. I think I think that when we do our uh, our live show on December 4th... <laughs> that you have to run past the planning uh, committee? I, I, that I just found out about. Right. <laughs> Um, so look, I've, I've been told there's a live show. Look, there's certain things in RTU that you're on a need-to-know basis about. Uh, I think it's better that way. Yeah. I don't. Certain, I don't. <laughs> certain things. Uh, look, I your ta- look, your talent. Okay. I prefer you to do all the worrying. Well, you got it. You know, <laughs> no problem. You you worry enough for both of us. It's a done deal. I think by the time we do that live show, David Wright will have signed an extension. Oh, I hope so. I think that that's what's going to happen. And it was a, Go ahead. there's apparently new new uniforms in the offering too. Yeah. Did you hear about this? I did. Well, one of them's going to be, I think, the blue and orange of the Los Mets. Right. But it's just going to be Mets. Yeah, I think it's, I, and then I think there's a road version of that too. Very cool. Yeah. Well, so look, I, the, I, I and I I I believe. It sounds weird. I believe that the signing of the, the extension and the announcement of the uniforms are all going to be tied together to have one big happy Thanksgiving Met party. Met gala. Yeah. And hey, they did one thing right last year. You know what it was? They got rid of the black. In the jerseys, in the hats, they got rid of the black. Well, they except that... No, they, they, wore, they, only, they wore it for three days. Right. And that was Edgardo Alfonso Day, John Franco Day, and uh, one other, Mike uh, and Mike Piazza Day. Mm-hmm. But they get, but you go buy a Met product now. You go buy a Met jersey, no more black. You can get them really cheap. Yeah, they're, 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 want to? They're terrible. Look, I want to bring PJ back for one more thing because yeah. we're we're in overtime here. Right. Um, and I've been I've been dying to talk to you guys about this for three weeks. Hi, Peach. <laughs> I couldn't hit the button, so I put my own music on. Somebody's had some coffee. There's been a little bit of Keurig going on here. The Keurig. Uh, I'm going... So this movie was brought to my attention the other day. About a week and a half ago. 
um, uh, by my buddy at work, the same guy who brought up The Fugitive and and made that the quotable movie um, for, for a couple of weeks. And we were doing it. He had the Tommy Lee Jones and everything. And he brought up this. He's a good six or seven years younger than us. I was shocked. This is a great uh, Channel 11 Saturday movie. Oh. Um, I'm going to give you one name. And you guys, I know, are going to have the... We have not rehearsed this. Let's emphasize again. You're going to have the reaction that I expect. Okay. Robert York. Robert York. 80s movie. Wait a second. This, uh, this wasn't... Um, soap? Oh, 80s movie. That's, not, that's a 70s sitcom. <laughs> you, you were close. Santana in Vegas? If that's a made-for-TV movie that I really want to watch. Robert no, come on, come on. A movie. Urich. It's it's the Robert Urich movie. No looking it up either. I could give you another name in the movie, but I shouldn't need to. And it's from the 80s. It's definitely an 80s movie. I want to say 84. What we the hell definitely, you We definitely all rented it. I may have seen it in the movies. In the theater. Is this yep. science fiction? Yep. Come on. Come on. You're almost there. Oh, come on, guys. You're better than this. Robert Urich. He did one movie. That's not true. It's actually kind of true. <laughs> He's done a number of movies. Give, right, give me another one. Give, give us another name. No, wait, wait, wait. All right, just tell me. You, you were on the right. <laughs> All right, just tell me. Count gives up so easily. All right, just tell me. Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you want to see? Come on. Pete, you were on the right track. Science fiction. Sort of. Oh, come on, guys. Hold the, my brain hurts so wow. much. If we weren't in overtime right now, do you know how many people would be calling this show? One. One person. <laughs> One person. If they, were, if they were listening. My cousin Michelle would be calling the show in. Oh, I got it. Yep. I did not see this in the movies. I think right. I may have been the only one. You didn't look it up, did you? This is a bad movie. Oh, it's a terrible, awesome movie. Wait, I don't know if I have the title right. You do. <laughs> you just know. I just know. Because when you realize this, when you remember this, this movie had completely drifted out of the transium of my mind. Is and it, um... The minute he said it, it came back, and I remembered when I saw it, and I remembered seeing it, renting it from JNL Video around the corner from us. Not, is it, no, it's not Time Pirates. Uh, um... You're right there. Yeah, it's the Ice Pirates. Ice Pirates! Ice Pirates! <laughs> yeah, Thank pirate. you! Oh, God. Ice, Ice Pirates. Pirate. As soon as you said Time Pirates, I knew. 
We all we, saw this movie. I saw it in the video. I saw it in the movie theater. Yep, and I definitely I. did. What a, what's going on in your town that that was the movie that you guys right. both had to see? You know what it was? Was it the RKO? It was at the RKO. Classic example. It was at the RKO across the street from my house. Classic example of capitalizing on Star Wars. Our parents not realizing it was as raunchy as it was. Because there's no, it wasn't rated R. It was just PG. There was no PG-13 yeah. then. Right. So it was just PG. So our parents having no idea it was raunchy. And it's it's like a Star Wars movie. You know, that's a little funny, maybe. So you take your 12-year-old. By the way, you got to be real careful. I mean, I know I like to show my kids, you know, my movies. But what what a PG was to what a PG is now, a PG oh, now yeah. is a really light movie where, where, like, something might get hit in the head. That's how yeah. I get the PG. Whereas, like, Breakfast Club was PG. No, I think Breakfast Club was an R. But, like, E.T., I mean, E.T. dies. <laughs> you know? It's devastating. Spoiler That's... alert! <laughs> Have we not taught you anything? <laughs> I, think the, I think the statute of limitations on E.T. is up. Not re-releasing re- re- it, I thought. Good thing this isn't live. Good thing we're in extra time. Oh my God, oh. we can we can fix that. <laughs> oh, that's a good that's a good film, by the way. What, Ice you? Pirates. I know it's a fantastic film. I think he was talking about ET. Do you know the other name of the person or the other person I was going to give you who was in it? This blew me away. I totally forgot she was in this. Not Angelica, for all the money Angelica in the world could I do. Houston. Angelica really? Houston is in this movie. No. Okay. You could have held a $500 bill in front of my face. Never Angelica Houston is in the movie. You're right. I know. Do you think for a second that when, when this kid... So is Bruce Valanche. Bruce Valanche is in it too. Yes, he is. Oh, John Matuzak. John Matuzak, yep. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Wow. Imagine my surprise when this kid, six years, six, seven years younger than me, quotes Ice Pirates, and he's looking at me like, come on, Sam Pete, you know that one. I'm like, I, wh- I'm sorry, what now? Now, hold on. What we- and he said, Robert Urich, and I said, Ice Pirates. A quote, like- what's a quote from Ice Pirates that, that is meaningful? I have no idea. I have no idea what the quote was. I don't even remember what the quote was. There was a quote. He he said a quote to me, and, and and you know that I have that reputation because I'm a fountain of useless information and quotes. Oh come on, Sam Pete, you know that one. Like people are always throwing quotes around or whatever. You know, I have guys in the office. We only speak in Goodfellas. Um, <laughs> like that. That's it. You know, I see my buddy Josh, and he said, "I can't have it. I can't have the two of them commiserating around the house." And he threw a quote out, and he's like, "Ah, oh, Sam Pete, you got that one, right? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Ice Pirates. Ice Pirates. Million, do- million dollar movie on uh, WPIX. <laughs> there's, there's, there are quite a number of, of memorable quotes that I'm reading. <laughs> Apparently not. I hope have- no one minds, but I have no intention of facing this sober. That's a great, that's a great quote. I don't remember that from the movie, but... <laughs> That may be my epitaph. That's fantastic. What? <laughs> How great would that look on a tombstone? 
Ice Pirates managed to make $14 million at the box office. What year? Give me the year. It was 84. It was 84. Yeah. I was 10. We were 10. There's like sex. There's cursing in that movie. We were like I was 10. 31. <laughs> I was 48 years old. Right. PJ had just finished up his, his MBA. Right. <laughs> Boy, you are old. It's, uh, it's not looking good for me over here. I could not wait. Could not wait to bring that up. The Ice Pirates, my goodness. Ice Pirates, yeah. Yep. There's a Michael Winslow type, but it's not Michael Winslow. Right. He's he's like Michael Winslow's second stringer. Right, like they couldn't get... Michael Winslow was too huge at that point. Too big from, from uh, Police Academy. Way too big. So they went and got... Uh, what was the guy's name? Police Academy predates 84, are you sure? They got Michael D. Roberts. Michael D. Roberts. <laughs> I mean, because look, if you can get a Michael D. Roberts, you gotta you gotta get him. I mean, you gotta you gotta hook that up. Hey, here's a little uh, useless trivia: Michael D. Roberts born on Christmas. Oh, nice! As we enter the the holiday season. That's right. That is. That's that's the black guy in Ice Pirates. Well, I know that, but I still don't know who he is or what he does. <laughs> He also starred in the short-lived 80s television series Manimal. Oh, shut up. I, this guy's career is magnificent. He I was did, not allowed to watch Ice Pirates and Manimal. He was also in Good Times. Uh, naturally. <laughs> he was in Ice, the Ice Pirates and Manimal. Uh, he appeared in Rain Man. He is the 1980s. <laughs> Next year, he's appearing as the 1980s. Next, you're going to tell me he's on Airwolf while we're at it. Uh, he was on Bosom Buddies and Quantum Leap. Oh, magnificent! We got to get this guy in the pro. We got to get this guy in the program. MacGyver. <laughs> please, God, he's got quite a re- quite a resume, and one would have to assume that Robert Urich uh, recommended him from their work on Spencer for Hire. From their work on Vegas. Oh, he was on Vegas. He played a character named Chicky in an episode called Demand <laughs> and Supply. When Robert Urich died, I don't my, think, wife, I don't, my wife actually cried. I don't think we should be talking about this guy anymore. This way. She, she loved Robert Urich. Did she, my grandmother loved Robert Urich, too. But, but you, I always what does that say about your wife? That she, she, that she was 31 when this movie came out also. <laughs> She def- looking at you, she definitely has a type. <laughs> there. Thank you. You do remind a lot of Robert Yurick. Of a young Bob Yurick. How about Spencer sure. Fryer? How about that show? I don't remember. I didn't watch that show too much. Nobody watched that show that was under the age of 50. Right. Who was who was the guy? Uh, Ava- Hawk. Avery Johnson. Hawk. <laughs> Not Avery Johnson. The coach of the Spurs. No. I could picture him. His name on the show was Hawk. Avery, Avery Brooks. Brooks. Avery Brooks. Yeah, with the blood with the sunglasses. Hawk. Hawk. Right. That guy was cool, man. He was cool. We're and getting into man. we're getting into like a whole genre. Or or not I shouldn't say genre. Uh, a whole like uh sort of sort of type of actor. Like T I was just about to bring up T C from Magnum. Like these guys, these right. guys all were like they must have been seeing each other at every audition. <laughs> just 
the one black guy on the show. Reginald Bell Johnson. <laughs> like they had to be just see like the you know Avery Brooks, the guy from Manimal, you know. The guy from Jake and the Fat Man, like they all must have just seen each other at every. Like, oh, did you get that one? Did you? What are you? <laughs> Would you? Did you get Magnum? Are you TC? God. And all of those, all of those shows, like Hunter. Hunter. Remember Hunter? My dad loved that show. Yeah, that was that was uh, Fred, uh, no Fred Dwyer, right? Fred Dreyer. Dreyer. Fred Dreyer. Yeah. Ex NFL player. Yeah. I mean, do you remember the catchphrase from Hunter? There was a catchphrase from Hunter? He had a catchphrase. That might be news to even Fred Dreyer. No, he had a catchphrase. <laughs> that did it in every episode. He's like, what? We had a catchphrase? We did? Come on. Yeah. Uh, book him, Dano. It was very <laughs> simple. No. Double Dan. Get, the catchphrase was, works for me. Shut up. It works for me. <laughs> just made that up. Shut up. <laughs> look it up. Uh, I am going to look it up. Did he say it? Did he say it in that, like, in that, cartoony voice that you use like works for me <laughs> it works for and, me and then it's the you know the freeze frame with the music and then the credits roll over it <laughs> no he was dead serious he was playing heavy the uh, the freeze frame with the credits rolling over it will never be done better than it was done on police squad ever oh, God. <laughs> when they're actually frozen <laughs> pouring the coffee his <laughs> coffee's overflowing one of these days, no. gentlemen, one of these days we need to have, there's only six episodes of Police Squad. And, and, they're, only, and they're half hour episodes. Plus 46 that never aired. Right, and we just so. need to watch them back to back to, that was probably, uh, uh, I did that once with Nello Cal, like in the early days of Comedy Central. It's like a Saturday morning, we were hanging out, we are sort of, you know, we'd been out the night before, hungover or whatever, <laughs> and Comedy Central played Police Squad all six episodes back to back to back, and we had never really seen them. This is, I'm going back years. I'm going back like 15, 16 years. So it's before they're on DVD or anything like that. And comedy, we just happened to catch it at like 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Uh, squad back to back to back to back to back, all six episodes. And we were crying, crying. That's the hardest, maybe the hardest three hours I've laughed in my life. <laughs> it's 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 it was so far ahead of its time. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and what what did you say? Six episodes. So that's what it's, two and a half hours, or three and a half hours. That's not even because the episodes are like twenty two minutes long. Yeah, so wow. I, it's just it's unbelievable. Little nuggets and, of gold, and it contains my favorite quote of all time. <laughs> when they're <laughs> from anything, maybe from anything. So perfectly done. Their front is their their locksmiths because they're <laughs> to break up they're trying to break up a crime ring, where like the mafia is like extorting money from these storefronts. So they take over a locksmith shop, and he goes to uh, he breaks in on the crime boss. So the crime boss is like on the phone or whatever, and he's got his back. He's in his chair. And he's got his back to the door, and Leslie Nielsen comes in, and the guy hangs up the phone. He turns around. He goes. <laughs> He goes to Leslie Nielsen, hey, who are you and how'd you get in here? And he goes so perfectly, well, I'm a locksmith and I'm a locksmith. <laughs> <laughs> Just perfect. Just absolutely perfect. All right, we got to end the show, boys. We're way well, over here. PJ oh, who was keeping you? <laughs> PJ is completely right. Hunter, 
Hunter's catchphrase. Thank you. Works for me. <laughs> I had that one in my back pocket. Been waiting decades. PJ final unload. Well, speaking of ET, uh, they they had the uh, director's cut of ET. Well, that's been fixed. Uh, I, I I caught it on cable and. Uh, they had originally taken the guns out of the cops' hands and replaced them with radios, and that looked ridiculous. So now the cops have the guns back, and E.T. is restored. Go watch right. it. Beautiful. Cal, final note. The storm actually made two weeks of my life disappear. Literally. It just, we had no power, we did nothing, and being away from this show was one of the things I missed the most. And to have the ability to come back and do this tonight... Is, is just is I, I can't put it into words. I'm so thankful that we have this, and and I'm glad to be back. And I hope that we're doing this for a long time. Wow! And my final unload is works for me. All right, that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> works for me. Works for me. Oof. Uh, join us next week. Uh, we'll be back uh, live for another ready to unload, and also December fourth, hopefully. Uh, at Blue Haven, we'll be doing a live remote. Hopefully, we'll be joined by Joe Caparosa from TurnOnTheJets.com. Uh, check out our website. We have a writer there. Uh, our buddy Joe is starting to write some articles for us. He's doing a really good job, so check those out. And uh, that's www.rtusports.com or www.nysportstalknice.com. New York Sports Talk Nice. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Cal, PJ, awesome to be back. Thank you, guys. Works for me. Works for me. Works for me. me.